Hello, welcome back to the Book of Medora. On this episode, we're, we have some questions in the document about the timeline, and we're going to address those questions amongst ourselves. But first, beep 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 news alert. If you remember, on the last mailbag episode, bonus episode 40, uh, there was an email about a Majora's Mask ARG involving something, an institute discovering a parallel world. I did some digging and I found it. There is a um, a YouTuber named Loot Potts who did a good video on it called Nintendo's Forgotten Marketing Campaign. But to briefly summarize, I'm pretty sure everyone has seen the ultimate conclusion to this viral campaign, which is the live action commercial about a kid playing Zelda to save the world. And if you remember, the that campaign opened with Radio Zelda now broadcasting. And Radio Zelda was indeed a website that you can find on archive.org. And it was sort of a continuation of a viral marketing campaign that began with uh, zscience.com, z-science.com, which began with the joint research of alternate mondial occurrences and astral planeology reporting on the discovery of a parallel universe. That acronym is, of course, J-R-A-M-O-A, which is an anagram of Majora. <gasps> so yes, yeah, so this viral marketing campaign ran uh, in in late 2000 in the lead-up to Majora's Mask. IGN did report on it. People figured out pretty quickly that this was a Majora's Mask thing, but it was still cool. This was like at the tail end of the dot-com bubble, so Nintendo just paid a bunch of people to write a bunch of stuff as a viral marketing campaign for Majora's Mask. I love this. It's awesome. I love that you actually did the this sort of on-the-ground investigation is why you are the top name in Zelda Online Ephemera, Crystal. A top name in Zelda Online Ephemera. <laughs> By finding a YouTube video where someone else did all the work. Yeah, 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 yeah. But first, it, technically this is like... I started by searching about ARGs, but I guess technically this is not an ARG because it doesn't really have gameplay. It was just a viral marketing campaign. Right. But I remember the email said that IGN reported on it, so I just went to IGN's website, the Majora's Mask page, the article subsection, went back in time, and they did report on it in 2000. It's so hard to fight off false memories because now that I see this, it looks familiar. I can't. I don't know if I actually experienced it. It seems like I did. I was very online during the time. Crystal, is this new to you or experienced? This is new to me. I was not. I was not um, online in this way at the time. Mm, mm. Oh, this must be fascinating for you then. <laughs> yes, I mean it makes sense because like that famous live-action commercial is like three minutes long, mm -hmm. which is not which is longer than commercials, and that's because. It's actually a collection of clips from the RadioZelda.com website. Mm -hmm. If I remember right, uh, at least in terms of downloading them, but I think also in terms of airing them on TV, there was just, it was divided into three parts. So it never aired fully all at once, except for maybe some pivotal days or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Tim, do you remember? I, I, I remember seeing a few of the commercials, but I didn't get the television stations that would have aired these commercials. So um, for me, I just sort of saw really, really crunchy 144p or lower um, quick time versions of the commercials. 
these videos go to a resolution as small as 160 by 120. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are the days. You would open up Real Player. It wouldn't play. You go to QuickTime. That one it wouldn't would play. play. You never know which one it is. Sometimes it wouldn't play. Oh, by the way, um, I'm Cameron. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The first person speaking is Crystal, and the person who just went, yeah, is Monica. Hello. It's me, Crystal. It's me, Monica. Yeah, it is. We have some some questions about Zelda. We do have some questions about Zelda in the Zelda questions document. Now, um, I should mention that I have recently played through Adventure of Link all the way for the first time. Um, shout out to the Zelda Dungeon uh, strategy guide for Adventure of Link, which I used like a progress Bible and made it a much more pleasant experience. Congratulations. Um, I'm good. I'm not going to do the congratulations bit for this one. But uh, yeah, I, Adventure of Link, fun game, has some real interesting lore implications, and uh, the, the experience of playing it may shape the bullshit that I say today. So I'm warning you two ahead of time. I'm NES-era Zelda-brained at the moment. All right. The first question we have on this document is, what are sages? Particular notes. Fated not to live in the world. Creators of the Master Sword in the Link of the Past story. Slash the creators of the Temple of Time. Predate the building of the Temple of Hylia. Mm. Let's go through this one by one. Are they fated to not live in the world? Um... I don't know if that's always true. It's certainly not true in Adventure of Link, where the sages make their first actual appearance. They're called the wise men in the English localization. But I think it uses the same character. Are they wise men yeah. sages? Yes. Are they named? I don't think they have to be because they're from the towns named for the sages. Oh. So this is the sage of Raru in Adventure of Link. I'm not sure there's any difference between him and, say, Raru. So the wise men of the towns, and there are seven towns? Um, I forget exactly how many towns are. And are there wise men for each? There are, I think, seven or eight wise men, because that's how you learn the spells that you have to use. And okay. what about the town that doesn't have a corollary to a sage? Kasutol? Kasutol. Well, that can just be Impa. <laughs> the eighth sage, just like a link between worlds. Mm. Yeah, we'll go with that. Why not? Speaking of a link between worlds, the sages there did return to life, normal life. They, yeah, they almost definitely did. It seems like sages having to live apart is not so much a thing except in the Aonuma era of Zelda storytelling. Because Saria does say that she can't live in the same world as Link now that she's awakened as a sage. And the ending of Ocarina of Time implies that they have to live apart from the people of Hyrule, as if they were ghosts or spirits. That's true. They have a ghostly nature. They might have died. They probably died. And Mido and King Zora are clearly mourning Saria and Ruto. And yes, as Monica said, they might be dead. A few of them are very clearly dead. <laughs> so like Darunia, he's dead as shit. Got eaten by a dragon. That seems likely. Uh, the Wind Waker sages did have to stay in their temples in Hyrule for some time, but that got washed away, and they were at the surface. That makes sense. They're not sages anymore. Mm. Hmm. So, Crystal, I want to hear uh, your take. Well, okay, okay, okay. You, you said you wanted to address each of these points in sequence. Creators of the Master Sword and A Link to the Past Sword. Now, 
the first impulse of most people would be to say, well, clearly they didn't do it. The Master Sword was created by Link in Skyward Sword. Unless, unless they did do it. Unless they did do it, because there's more than one Master Sword. Which Tears of the Kingdom establishes. Yes. Definitively. That, that is true. Well, not in, the, not in the sense that we're talking about here. There's, in Tears of the Kingdom, there's still only one forging of the Master Sword, but two Master Swords exist at the same time because of time travel shenanigans. Right. We don't know about the forging, but there's two instances of the sword. Right. But we're talking about the forging. Was this linked to the past story in the actual game, or was it in the manual? I believe it was in the manual. But the manual of Link to the Past, I think, is worth uh, looking at because it does not contradict the text in-game in the same way that Adventure of Link's manual does. This is a very pregnant pause. Yes, well, we'll have to talk about it a little bit further down. They also created the Temple of Time. I think that was a line in Ocarina of Time. Yes, it is. Okay, thank you. Raru with his great flaming arms. Yes, with his with his big manly arms built the Temple of Time with a power greater than time and the Master Sword. So it could be that the wise men of Adventure of Link are the Seven Sages and Raru is the last living one. That's what I would like to suggest. Interesting. He, he is the Sage of Raru and has taken on the name Raru. The Sage and, of Raru from The Legend of Zelda. Well, Adventure of Link. It's like how Lafayette is called Lafayette, even though that's not his name. Yeah. Who's Lafayette? Uh, the, the hero of two worlds fought in the American Revolution. He's oh. a Frenchman. Oh, I see. Ah. Nothing like And them. go on. Nothing like them American war heroes. Exactly. Please continue. And you says this predates the building of the Temple of Hylia. Yes. And we know that because the symbols of the sages, I believe, from Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker are like their their uh, their medallion symbols are on an arch outside of the uh, sealed temple. That is true. Although that could also mean that they took those symbols from the symbols on the temple. That's true. But in any case, the iconography predates the sealed temple. Okay. The way you've noted this in the document here, you mean to say the sages predate the building of the Temple of Hylia, not that the Temple of Time predates the building of the temple of Hylia. right yes okay. so, so say yeah sage iconography predated it for whatever reason yes absolutely okay crystal what do you think the sages are i think the sages are not one type of thing they are a bunch of different things the sages of the master sword are simply a different type of sages than the sages who seal ganondorf or the sages who made the master sword or the sages who teach link magic. Sage is a flexible term. Okay, okay. Interesting. Can you... It seems like it would be analogous Analogous. to a different word. Like, are they wizards? Are they smart people? They're they're wise men. Kenja (laughs) in Japanese. Tenja. Ten for heaven. No, Kenja with a K. Oh, Kenja. Ken for... Huh, okay. Okay, okay. So... If they all do different things, um, suppose that sages are simply people, we'll say wizards or wise people, whose knowledge approaches the understanding of the gods. Like they, sure. Not that they have the wisdom of a god, but they know how the universe works. They're high priests or they're enlightened. They are the enlightened ones. It's interesting because a bunch of the sages we interact with aren't particularly wise i think that's mostly a thing in the link between worlds 
Yeah, there's that kid. He's just a kid. And there's that um, that uh, shonen rival character, but not really. I was going to say Makar, but Makar could be like, like a billion years old. Makar's very wise. <laughs> Makar. You all have to be wise to be enlightened. Mm. They do have their awakening, so to speak, or their enlightenment. Maybe a sage is just somebody who has been enlightened, like uh, Goku. Like Goku. Goku's not say like wise, Kibuta. but he is enlightened. Speak on that, Crystal. Uh, Goku is pure of heart, and he has relationships with all the gods. That's true. He is best friends with the highest of gods, Deno. That is also true. Is that the weird animal guy? No, that's that's the Lord of Destruction, Beerus. Deno is like two or three levels above that. Zeno? Zeno, yes. Zeno. So, so Goku, by all metrics, is an enlightened sage. And and is this like the enlightenment in, in Buddhism? That's a great question. What is the enlightenment in Buddhism? I don't really know. Well, I think I, it's also a bunch of different things. I think we'd also have to say, what is enlightenment in Dragon Ball? <laughs> uh, to me, it means being friends with God. Okay, well... I don't know that that's what most people would call uh, sagacity or enlightenment, but if that's the operating definition, then yes, Goku definitely has that. I've just pulled up the Wikipedia page for enlightenment in Buddhism. Oh, Jesus, Lord Christ, help me, Lord Jesus. The English term enlightenment is the Western translation of various Buddhist terms, and there's several, most notably Bodhi and Vimuti. The abstract noun Bodhi means the knowledge of or wisdom, or awakened intellect of a Buddha. The verbal root, bud, means to awaken, and its literal meaning is closer to awakening. Um, skipping a bit, Vik- Vikmuti is the freedom from or release of the fetters and hindrances. Goku has neither fetters nor hindrances. I think that's <laughs> not true. I think he's actually badly fettered by his worldly attachment to the act of combat. I don't think that's a worldly attachment. That that continues in the afterlife. Yeah, but like, okay, well, we, we have to start talking about the separation between uh, true enlightenment versus participation in the cycle of the afterlife. There's a little bit more on etymology. Okay, please, God. Bodhi, I, in- <laughs> Sanskrit, for awakening, perfect knowledge, perfect knowledge or wisdom by which a man becomes a Buddha um, or victorious or victor, the enlightened or illuminated intellect of a Buddha. And uh, awakening, to wake up, be awake, to recover consciousness, or observe, heed, or attend to. Webster's Dictionary says... <laughs> it's interesting to go... Uh, these are these are enlightened people. They've awoken to something. I don't think Goku's that fucking enlightened. No, the sages! <laughs> the sages have awoken. They use the word awakening a yes. lot. They do communicate directly with the gods in Ocarina of Time. And their powers in Adventure of Link are spectacular. And they are beyond living in Twilight Princess. And in Wind Waker, they seem to be interceding with the gods to repair the Master Sword. Yes. That's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. So in short, Crystal, would you say the sages are a land of contrasts? Yes. And Goku is enlightened. Stop it. We're not doing this Goku is enlightened shit. He's free from the cycle of life and death. No, he's not. He kind of is. But <laughs> that's because Toriyama's grasp on like dramatic storytelling has become less and less grounded over the years, and Dragon Ball is no longer a dramatic story. If Goku touched the Triforce, which Triforce piece would he have? Or is his heart in perfect balance? 
I, I think his heart is in perfect balance. I think he would be left with courage because he doesn't actually value power that much except as a means to an end. And he's dumb as shit. <laughs> but being dumb isn't necessarily a, 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 in opposition to being wise. And also we've seen in the latest Dragon Ball Super movies that Goku has a lot of problems integrating new perspectives into his martial arts. Which is really weird, because when he was a kid, he was just like a sponge. He's always trying to get better. That's true. He is always trying to get better. I don't think that's the same as being enlightened, though. He would still piss on the Buddha's palm, because at heart, he is the monkey king. I hope he doesn't get the ability to wish on a Triforce. No good can come of that. Goku? Yes. He'll just wish every bad guy is uh, reincarnated so he can beat them up. Yes. That, that would happen. Crystal, uh, second question, does Skyward Sword have to come first in the timeline? I mean, I suppose it doesn't have to. It's clearly intended to. Yes. But the Book of Medora doesn't concern itself with authorial intent very often. Not not to say that we never do, but it is not the make-or-break factor in any given discussion about the timeline. Uh, it's, it's interesting to consider because... Hylia worship has really taken over the series from Skyward Sword. Well, it's only been in two games after Skyward Sword. It was not in Link Between Worlds, interestingly. Okay. Yeah, but also before that, none of the games, of course. Yes, there was no Hylia worship before 2011's Skyward Sword. So you're suggesting that's that's evidence of Skyward Sword being later in the timeline. Is that what you're suggesting? Or at least proximate to Breath of the Wild. Is that what you're suggesting, Monica? I think it's certainly possible. Are there any things in Skyward Sword that would make this an issue? I think that taking the narrative as it's intended to be, the big thing about it is that this game is framed as the origin of the Master Sword, and it is at the least meant to place this game before any other games on the timeline that include the Master Sword. Do, do, do we agree that that's the intent of the game? Yes. That is one of them. I'd like to say there are more. Well, go on then. Uh, there's also statements that this is the first Zelda and first Link, or implications that these are. Yeah, that, I don't think you could call them statements as such. And even if it's in the text of the game, there are different ways to read it. Yes. Would you like to think expound on that, or should I? I, 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 I don't know what you're thinking, so go right ahead. Uh, well... We assume it's the first Link because Zelda slash Hylia states that she had to make her perfect boyfriend. Yeah, that did happen. And there's then talks about the first perfect boyfriend, but it's just you. Yeah. To be clear, there was no prior Link. Monica's still mad about that Himikawa. Yes. Skyward Sword prequel. It's just it's just Skyward Sword Link. Yeah. So ostensibly. Hylia could have tapped into an existing hero line to shape just her perfect boyfriend. Similarly, while she could be the first Zelda in which the divine bloodline, like Amaterasu, is passed down, I think, was it you or was it Crystal? You brought up the possibility that she simply inserted herself into the line of Zelda. So at some point, the divine was melded in. She co-opted both Link and Zelda. Yeah, that sounds like a thing that you said, Crystal, that she just like decided to make her like 
self-insert her OC into the royal bloodline, which actually actually brings us a lot closer to the story of Hyrule Warriors than I want it to be. That's right. <laughs> She's looking across time and space, and it's like, I'm just going to put myself right here. I ship my two characters so so greatly, but if I become one of them... I mean, who amongst us, right? Has not written a fan fiction? A self-insert fanfic. I've never written Yes, I know you haven't, sweetheart. But who hasn't felt like... That, that speaks to an impulse that we all have, the, the desire to participate in the story. Mm-hmm. If anyone can be the hero, why can't anyone be the goddess? That's right. Also, why shouldn't the princess be a goddess instead, yeah. of, instead of just a princess? If she's so important, shouldn't she be cosmically important? Oh, God. Who's saying this? Hylia? No, the person writing it. Oh, the person writing it. I see. The person writing highly is self-insert fanfiction. Fujibayashi? Yeah. Actually, that's not far off from how Fujibayashi has handled the character of Zelda during his tenure. It's true. Because this is this kind of rears its head vaguely in Minish Cap. Com- coming back to this, I would like to suggest that due to the... F- that if we take Skyward Sword's uh, I Come Before All the Other Master Sword games... Uh, conceit at face value just accept it as it is that still leaves the possibility that games that do not feature the master sword could take place before skyward sword just as a matter of principle that's true and that's if we accept that skyward sword is the universal origin of the master sword are there games without the master sword yeah like the first two zelda games is it not the magic sword the magic sword crystal i know you weren't around for this but back in 2000 um 2003-ish, people used to argue about whether or not the magic sword in the first two Zelda games was the master sword from Link to the Past and later games. That ain't no master sword. Why is that? Because it doesn't look like it, and it's not called the master sword. It does not quack like a duck. It's true. It also isn't sitting in a pond that is a rock you have to pull it out of. Is this a Camelot thing? Yeah, I think this is a little bit of the sword in the stone. Okay. Wouldn't you say, Crystal, that the Master Sword has a little bit taken from the Sword in the Stone? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, there are definitely games that do not feature the Master Sword that could principally, just in principle, come before Skyward Sword on the timeline. The hero exists before the sword. In theory. In theory. It could, at least. But, okay, I want to hear your two's honest opinions, especially you, Crystal. Does Skyward Sword have to come first on the timeline? It doesn't have to. Monica? I would agree. I would. I think the Deviant Timeline exercise was interesting in prodding our minds into sh- trying to shape it somewhere else and finding that it wasn't that impossible or uncomfortable. Yeah. I think that um, Zelda fandom in general, and this includes us, are still somewhat constrained by the conventions laid out in the Hyrule Historia, even as we try mindfully to get away from some of its more specific elements, we are still constrained by our relation to its the conversations that it started. And the Historia was a Skyward Sword artifact. Basically, yes. Coming out around the same time. Yes. It was a, basically a tie-in book in many ways, meant to highlight the importance of Skyward Sword in the timeline. Or at least that's how I read it. it would you agree with that characterization, Crystal? Yes, I would agree with that. Coming with the Himekawa 
bonus chapter. Yeah, thing. and also all the Skyward Sword art that was in the book and so forth and so on. So I, I think that the official position uh, answer for the Book of Medora on this one is no, not necessarily. Which leads us into the next question, number three. Is there more than one creation of the Master Sword? Textually, yes, there is. And usually people respond to that by dismissing the Zelda 3 story. Okay, okay. Can you ex- can you explain that a little bit for our listeners who are listening to this episode first for some reason? In the manual, it says that the sages created the Master Sword in the Imprisoning War. That's true. Which is not reconcilable with Skyward Sword. Very true. Unless the Imprisoning War was the Imprisoning War of Demise. <laughs> and yeah, unless it was. But it can't be because the Imprisoning War was specifically fought against Ganon. Okay. Yeah, I, and I guess Link isn't really a sage by ever. Right. He's exclusionary to the concept. Right. But this is just in the manual. It's not in the, the game at all. I don't know if the... Oh, I, I, okay, well, uh, Crystal, if you have any more thoughts to share, feel free to go ahead. I'm going to pull up a text dump and look for Master Sword in the Link to the Past. <laughs> the only weapon potent enough to defeat the wizard is the legendary Master Sword. Legends say only the hero who has won the three pendants can wield the sword. What? Master Sword? Well, I don't remember the details exactly, but long ago, a prosperous people known as the Hylia inhabited this land. Legends tell of many treasures that the Hylia hid throughout the land. The Master Sword, a mighty blade forged against those with evil hearts, is one of them. Some people say that is that now it is sleeping deep in the forest. So that means the Master Sword was forged by people named the Hylia. Or at least they were named the Hylia in later ages. Which could be simply a... a her. Oh, sorry. Did she pee in there? She, okay, y'all keep talking. I'll clean up this rabbit urine. That is all the text of the game says about the crafting of the Master. And Hylia just seems to be a de- derivative of Hylian. So, you know, the Hylians did this. For some reason, the people of Hyrule now don't consider themselves Hylian? Question mark? Because they don't worship Hylia anymore. But if it was forged in the age of Hylia worship, as in Skyward Sword, then they might be known as the Hylia. That is a good point. So actually, this seems to line up with Skyward Sword. So Link to the Past does seem like it comes after Skyward Sword. Yes. Do we have references to the Hylia in any other games? Cameron's pointing out from Ocarina of Time. Lake Hylia. Hylian is literally... Yeah, you, you can't hear because you're a little bit of a distance away, but Crystal observes that the current Hylians of Link to the Past do not consider themselves Hylia because while they live in Hyrule, they're not Hylia worshippers. That's possible. Cameron says it's possible. <laughs> hmm. But I guess if we're still including the segments from the manual... Which generally, as a principle, so long as it doesn't contradict the games themselves, I'm I'm okay with that. How about you, Crystal? I'm also okay with that. Cameron's right that in Japanese, they're known as the Hylia Jin, the Hylia people. Hmm. That's so baffling. And I think that fanfic during the, the early uh, or the late 90s and the aughts sort of grappled with that, that the people of later ages were not the pointy-eared Hylians, but... The, pe- 
the people of later ages are not the pointy-eared Hylians. Yeah, or there there were uh, people who came before. Or after. I mean, most, um, taken Twilight Princess, most of the humans have round ears. Yes. So at some point, people came in and lived in Hyrule, but they would not say that they are actually Hylia. Yes. Different from Hylian. There's some kind of linguistic drift between Hyrulean and Hylian at that point. Mm-hmm. Hyrulean refers to a nationality. Yes, absolutely. Though in the past, Hylian may have also referred to what we would understand as a nationality. Like, it was the greater tribe of the people, Hylia. And that grew into the nation, Hylia, the rule of Hylia being Hyrule. Yes. So Hylia is... We'll get into that question a little bit further down. But I think the point is that there's many ways to read the particular intersection between Hyrule and Hylia as a name, and also Hyrulean and Hylian as a description of a people. Because Hylians are still humans. They are understood as such. They are called human in Twilight Princess. And in Tears of the Kingdom. And in Skyward Sword. So peculiar. I don't think so. It just means that Hylians are a specific ethnicity or um, like they're a specific group, a subgroup of humanity. But that's getting a little bit away from the question of the creation of the Master Sword. One of the things that makes me think that there may be more than one creation of the Master Sword is that in most games up to now, everything except for Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wild, and Tears of the Kingdom... The Master Sword is inert. It does not have a voice or a will of its own as expressed through a voice. Whereas in those three games, the Master Sword is fi. Fee if you're nasty. In the text dump that we just looked at for Link to the Past, it does speak about the Master Sword choosing the hero. Yes. That's do you think that's a conscious choice? I do not think so. In Ocarina of Time, the Master Sword is basically always spoken of in relation to the hero of time it is meant for the hero of time to draw yes which is why it's behind this lock and key that only the hero of time could possibly uh get past because only the hero of time would be entrusted by the hyrulean royal family with the ocarina of time and the song of time but what i'm getting at is that Phi doesn't fucking talk in ocarina of time or link to the past or the twilight princess or Wind Waker. It has no divine spark of its own. It's granted to it by the gods. Or she could be switched off. Why would she just be switched back on exclusively for Breath of the Wild? They invented batteries. <laughs> Come on, Monica. I want to hear this fucking answer. Uh, the battery source. No? No, go on. You've made such a face. Oh, please continue. Was properly charged in the time period between... Breath of the Wild and whatever game that preceded it. So what I would like to suggest is that there's a possibility space created by Fi's voice that suggests that this Master Sword exists on a specific continuum that doesn't include other depictions of the Master Sword. That they are separate blades with separate cores. Hylia crafted her own hero and her own princess and her own Master Sword. Precisely, yes. Yeah, that makes... She took over the damn world. She did. That's literally, that is textually and metatextually what happened when Fujibayashi made the Skyward Sword setting the way that it is. This is somehow getting closer to Crystal's nefarious Hylia plot. 
I don't think it's nefarious. You could say that it's selfish, but I wouldn't say that it's nefarious. Depends on how you feel about theocracy. <laughs> well, it depends on how you feel about theocracy in a world where God is real. Is it selfish? It's kind of selfless, too. But there's also the element where a god is trying to establish a theocracy that places them above more powerful gods. So you're not wrong, Crystal. Anyway, uh, I'd like to suggest that there is space for the Master Sword in A Link to the Past to be a different Master Sword than the one in Skyward Sword. Okay. Yes. Just that that, um, that, that potential exists. Fourth question. What games potentially have or contain timeline splits? Example, Wind Waker probably doesn't have a timeline split, but it does potentially portray two realities, one where Link understands ancient Hylian, the other where he doesn't. I would say that's a timeline split. Oh, Time- no. Sorry, go ahead. Why? It's it's just a little bubble of divergence. The timeline splits in in the fact of the game it doesn't have to be a timeline split as such but it is an alternate version of events and what are events but a thing on space time okay you would say that it's just an easter egg that can be safely ignored yeah okay okay do you feel the same way about the second quest in the legend of zelda yeah okay but in wind waker specifically you never get a tunic or you get a, a fake you get a tunic that's invisible? <laughs> yeah, you do get an invisible tunic. That is also textually different, but you would say that that is an Easter egg crystal, the uh, the Emperor's New Clothes version of the tunic? To me, a timeline split implies there is time travel in the game. Because okay. if we say every difference of every version of the game is a new timeline, we'll be here all day. <laughs> and therefore, there would be a Wind Waker... Where you get the swift sail versus not. Yeah. There's a Wind Waker where light works differently, and it's widescreen. <laughs> okay, Crystal. So you would suggest that games that potentially have timeline splits are those games which involve time travel and changes made to the past. That is correct. Okay. I think that's a perfectly reasonable way to look at it, and if you don't want to include alternate versions of quests as depicting alternate realities, I think that's fair. Would you similarly apply this to the different dialogues you get in the Oracle games, depending on the order you play those games in? Yes, I would say so. Okay, so there. So for, for Wind Waker, you would argue that the new game that you start fresh with an empty memory card, that's the canon version of Wind Waker. Yes. So what's the canon version of the Oracle games? They're both canon. How can they both be canon unless they represent two different realities? They just are. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to push on this, but I'm going to keep it in the back of my mind. I think I would like to see an argument for what what is gained by treating them separately. I think uh, if we try to draw it out on a timeline, it would just be a little fork that re recombines. It splits and then it's back into one because it makes a functional difference what came first. For you to acknowledge a, an alternate reality, Crystal, it needs to be something on the scale of Age of Calamity. It needs to bear fruit of some kind. Mipha needs to have lived through the attack. It needs to make a meaningful change to the story that is, that is reflected on the timeline. Okay. I, that's, that's not a bad principle for when we're actually making the timeline document. I'll acknowledge that. The rest you can call it quantum fluctuations. 
quantum fluctuations. But when you zoom out, the physics is still the same. You ever sit and think about how we are, like we as living creatures, are incredibly exotic interactions of matter? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, we have to be among the most complex systems that have ever existed in the entire universe. And every living thing is like that. You know, they just discovered a new type of RNA replicators called uh, obelisks. They're a little ring of RNA that's folded onto itself to, to make an obelisk shape. And unlike viroids, which are also rings of RNA, obelisks can actually code proteins called obelins. Oblins. That sounds menacing, but and cool. And obelisks exists in the bacteria in our mouths. Oh, yeah. I think I did see a little blip of a thing. Oh, that's so fascinating. What, what proteins do they encode? I'm sure we don't know yet. Oblin 1 and Oblin 2. So this is a very recent discovery, and we won't know the full consequence of what it means for years or decades, but isn't that fascinating? Yeah. There could be a really fundamental part of our biologies that we just knew nothing about. Mitochondria. Mitochondria. No, no, I meant to say midichlorians. Midichlorians. <laughs> the powerhouse of the cell, midichlorians. I think that the principle of drawing something out on a timeline, only if the branching has fruit, is logical. It does mean, though, that if they ever make a game or something else that seems to, to follow from a branch of... Um, a previous game we would just extend a line there i mean that that that's very possible yes i mean but even if we had to upend the timeline we're not above that we're very much looking at the possibility of doing that in the wake of tears of the kingdom would mm-hmm. would we agree with that yeah yeah so i mean if if they do something where it's like ah well you see actually the version of wind waker where link never gets the green tunic now has a sequel uh-huh. Then, then we'd go back and reconsider everything that we're talking about here. Yeah, we draw new lines. Yes. Okay, fair enough. So, but st- so, so the answer to this question uh, that we will take for now, but we're always willing to revisit in the future because we're always re- willing to revisit any of these questions, is that there is a timeline split when there is time travel that affects the past relative to the latest point in time depicted in the game. Yes. Okay, makes sense to me. Now... This fifth question, what are the no doubt direct sequels and prequels in the Legend of Zelda series? Example, Adventure of Link pretty clearly follows Legend of Zelda, but is Link to the Past necessarily their prequel? Does Spirit Tracks need to follow Phantom Hourglass, or can it be a direct sequel to Wind Waker? Now this assumes that there are two versions of Wind Waker, but, you know, just for the sake of conversation. Hmm. Is Adventure of Link a sequel to The Legend of Zelda? I'd say it is. Because yeah, I'd also say that it is. <laughs> like, e- even if you ignore the manual, the opening text crawl for Adventure of Link does say that Link just defeated Ganon and is on a quest to find the third Triforce, which implies that he had already found the previous two Triforces. Okay. Which definitely happens in the first game. Okay, I will accept this. A Link to the Past does not necessarily prequel... Legend of Zelda. Okay. And Link's... Funnily enough, Link's Awakening definitively is not necessarily connected to any of the things we suppose. Not necessarily. Right. Um, Ocarina of Time does not necessarily follow or come before, necessarily, 
other games in the timeline, but it does have games that I would argue are direct sequels, such as Majora's Mask and Wind Waker, which reference the events of Ocarina of Time pretty nakedly. Yeah. Yes. Specific call-outs to the hero of time? Yes. 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 And, you know, getting the Ocarina of Time from Zelda at the end of Ocarina of Time in Majora's Mask. Yes. Yeah, no, no, Majora's Mask is definitively right after Ocarina of Time. Okay. With the same person. Right. And um, we'd say that Phantom Hourglass is definitely a sequel to Wind Waker, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And given that it e- depicts the events of Wind Waker in it, Spirit Tracks is also definitely a sequel to Wind Waker set later on the timeline. So that if we take them both happening at once, it's also a sequel to Phantom Hourglass. Yes. Uh-huh. And we've got Link Between Worlds, which we've established fuck off. It doesn't have to be a sequel to Link to, what to about the Past. What about Twilight Princess? Okay, how do we feel about Twilight Princess? It could go anywhere, really. Because we've been thinking about it in the same way that the Hyrule Historia sort of framed it, and how we as a fandom framed it since 2006, when Crystal was at the tender age of 13. Prime Zelda timeline theory aging. Um, God. Wait, were you 13 in 2006? That is correct. Fucked up. I was in university. Yeah. I only know this. I don't, I didn't do the math. I suck at math. But I just remember downloading over a very novice Wi-Fi connector on my laptop in the university library. The tra- one of the trailers. Well, I and mean. i crying. Yes, that did happen. But there's also <laughs> the fact that you and I stood in the cold to pick up our Wii in 2006. Oh, yeah. Good times. Good times. What was I talking about? You were 13. <laughs> yeah, Crystal was 13. Wow. And uh, we, we assume that it's a follow-up to Ocarina of Time because many elements of it are callbacks to Ocarina of Time. But yes. it isn't strictly canonically necessary that it's a follow-up to Ocarina of Time. No, you could make a good argument for it going somewhere else. The Golden Wolf knows some songs that the Hero of Time did. Yes. But that's that, that can be passed down. That could be general knowledge breath of the wild has fucked up the canonicity of zelda songs it's possible that the hero of time went around teaching these songs to people breath of the wild link could be the hero of the 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 shade oh hold the fuck up are are you suggesting that breath of the wild link could be the hero's shade yes that's what i just said oh he knows songs sorry i know that go ahead could be could be yeah He's got ties to wolves. He does have ties to wolves. The Twilight Princess wolf. Huh. Well then. Huh. Okay. So anyway, Twilight Princess doesn't <laughs> have to be a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. How do we feel about the order of the Four Swords games? Um, I would say that they don't necessarily have to go in a certain sequence, but also the Vati sequence has a pretty explicit order when you center it around his character. Yes. Minish Cap is clearly the first one because that's the origin of Vati. And Four Swords Adventures has to be the end because that's where Vati is destroyed and replaced by Ganon. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Four Swords must come between those two games if we center it on Vati's character as the linchpin. Are we writing these things down? We should probably write these things down. What? For what? <laughs> For when we refer to it afterwards. Do you know how much sound that would create on the audio file here? I can write down the answers that we did afterward. Okay. 
If nothing else, I'll get them while we're while I'm doing the editing for this podcast. This is a reminder to editor Cameron. Just use your 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 ranking thing. Oh yeah. No, we'll talk about that later. Okay. And uh, obviously, Age of Calamity is a uh, pseudo sequel side. St- it is a guy den for Breath of the Wild. Here's a here's a big one for the podcast. Is Tears of the Kingdom a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild? Not necessarily. Not necessarily, they say. Tell me about it. Um, I think it is the most obvious answer to say that it is, but I would be open to hearing an alternative position. Okay. Okay, that's very interesting. Up to including that much of Breath of the Wild didn't happen <laughs> in in the route where Tears of the Kingdom did happen. Yes. Crystal, what do we gain? From Tears of the Kingdom being on a new timeline. I don't know what we gain. I'm, oh, okay. I'm just saying that I'm open to an argument in a way that I'm not really open to the argument that, say, Majora's Mask is not the sequel to Ocarina of Time. Okay, that makes sense to me. And I think most of the other direct sequels, I think we've covered most of them. Yeah. There aren't any that just jump out at me otherwise, just going through it in my head. So, broadly speaking, there are the first two games... There are Ocarina of Time and the Wind Waker cycle. There is the Vati cycle, which can be placed wherever the hell you want. There is Breath of the Wild um, and potentially Tears of the Kingdom. Would you say that because of the presence of Phi as a linchpin, that Breath of the Wild is a textual sequel to Skyward Sword? Yes, I'll say that. Especially because the Goddess Sword also exists in the text... Of Tears of the Kingdom. That's true. Now that's a bit confusing. Well, a lot about Tears of the Kingdom is confusing. And it gets more confusing the further away I get from it. The Twilight Princess Sage's sword is there too. It is. In the text. It is the and it's the final prize you get from a rather lengthy side quest involving all the powers of the chant of the sages. And it is a sage sword. Oh, I forgot something that I wanted to say about the sages, but I think this is kind of neat. The the powers of the champions in Breath of the Wild are directly based on some of the spells you get in Adventure of Link. The magic of the sages. What? Say, Mipha's ability to heal you. That's taken from the life magic in Adventure of Link. Rivali's Gale is the jump magic. Dar- Daruk's protection is a combination of shield and the reflect magic that makes your shield reflect more projectiles, including magical projectiles. And of course, Urbosa's Fury is the thunder spell, which destroys everything in the area. That's That all lines up? That's pretty cool. Which means, to me, that if we looked up the towns that those sages lived in, we could maybe get an idea of the magical... Uh, sequence that ended with the champions knowing these things so it's not like gerudo just have lightning powers as a people it's that urbosa and riju are learned sorcerers who specialize in lightning magic lightning is learned from kasuto reflect is is learned from darunia life is learned from saria and jump is learned from from it's fairly early. Ruto. Ruto. Now that is interesting because... Go ahead, Monica. Because Zoras and... Rito are related. Yeah. So the reflect thing worked. 
the jump thing worked. Life didn't quite... I mean, Saria and Mifa are similar characters. Yes. Anyway. And what was the last one? Lightning? Yes. Okay. Oh, is that Kazuto that we don't really know? Yes. Kazuto is the extra town, so to speak. The destroyed town. The last of the sages. But I just really like this idea that's presented by looking at it this way that suggests that these powers, like the Mifa's power to heal, isn't something that's inborn to her. It's something that she learned. It is something that you can practice if you're willing to be a sorcerer or a sage. So maybe that doesn't have any huge implications, but it adds a certain texture to the story that I find very exciting. I find it exciting in a way that I find difficult to convey. I like how this connection could only have been made by playing Adventure of Link now. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Big ups to the Zelda Dungeon Strategy Guide. I recommend that for everyone who wants to play Adventure of Link. It's a pretty fun strategy game. Just run from all the enemies in the Great Palace. You don't have to fuck with them. Sorry, I got distracted. I got too excited. Who is Hylia? Yes, please. Who is Hylia? What is she the god of, if anything? How does she relate to the other gods? Crystal, I want to hear your thoughts. Hylia is the god of the Hylians. She is the queen of the gods and the queen of Hyrule. Queen of the gods. Can you expand on that? Uh, who's higher than her? Um, the gods of the Triforce. No, they're not around anymore, are they? Sure, but I don't think it would be reasonable to com- to place her on a level equal to those who formed the world and every soul in it and the laws of time and space. At least the Deku Tree is, if not a subordinate, at least an ally. Yes. Uh, don't get me wrong, Hylia is very highly placed in the games in which she exists. She is Lord of Dragons. She is the King of Trees. She rules from a place beyond time and death. But I don't think she's on the uh, level of the Demiurges that are the Triforce gods. She was the leader of the army against the Demons of Demise. That's very true. Generalissimo Hylia. And Generalissimo she led a military coup of heaven. What? <laughs> but more like she she led the coup, but nobody was there, so she just sat down on the throne. She came to the empty throne of God and took a seat? Yes. Why are you making her sound so fucking cool? While still claiming to be a steward of the old gods. Crystal, if you come to the empty throne of God and take a seat, are you cool? No. <laughs> but isn't that a cool thing to do? In the I sense of like, all, it's wearing, a little cool, I guess. Like wearing a leather jacket and sunglasses and smoking a cigarette, kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of cool. <laughs> Not cool as in morally good, but cool as in damn, they did that. She is benevolent. Okay, expand on this. She cares about peoples, the wide peoples, especially humans, it seems, but uh, as against the demons. She did only raise the humans out of the horrors of the demon war she definitely favors humans above the other peoples would either of you disagree with this characterization i would not disagree with that i would not disagree but i would say that seems to be interpreted by most people being that humans were too weak to do anything so of course you'd put your baby you know up on a high ledge before you you have to do fightsies Mm. in the baby bassin bassinet Okay. Basket? The baby's in a basket, so they won't fall off the high ledge. Crystal, is Hylia um, 
benevolent. If you're a Hylian, sure. Okay. Not if you're a demon. Okay. How about if you're a Goron? Um, neutral for the Gorons, I think. Or maybe benevolent. I mean, I guess they have Hylia statues. They do have Hylia statues. They followed her to war. That's I mean, true. Their opponent there was the Mazuko. So you just... And the Mazuko are just kind of evil by definition. They're cosmic evil. So it makes sense you'd go to war with them. She gave her life in the war, too. She took. She did take a lethal wound when fighting the Demon King Demise. This general is in the forefront of the war. Yeah, she is a uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms style of general. But what is Hylia the god of? Is she simply the god of the Hylians? Yeah, I think so. Now, it has been the position of the Book of Medora up to this point, and a position that I would like to revisit now, that Hylia is the goddess of time, referenced in Majora's Mask. How do we feel about this now? She does have a lot of time powers. Does she? She plots across wide time scales. Yes, but is being able to plan across wide time scales the same thing as having time powers? And she plots involving time travel. She guides Link from the edge of time. Mm-hmm. But... It'd be fair to call her a goddess of time. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think that to be a goddess of time, some part of that power has to be uh, be within you. It has to come from you. But in Skyward Sword, where Hylia's dominion is illustrated, it's shown that the ability to travel through time, the anchors in time, are actually derived from a naturally occurring element that is in the world the time shift stones, which are mined and refined by the followers of Hylia. So, so she's, if, a, she's functionally a goddess of time, but not essentially a goddess of time. Yes, that is what I would like to suggest. And she does not necessarily have to be the uh, goddess of time referenced in Majora's Mask for that reason. In fact, I think that the old assumption that the goddess of time is Nehru, who created the laws of time, actually makes a little bit more sense after having replayed Ocarina of Time recently. Okay. So appealing to the goddess of time is an invocation to one of the names of Nehru. Yes, potentially. Yes. Because Nehru, Faror, and Din have many aspects. Much like how you might invoke Din as the goddess of the land. The go- she would be both goddess of war for power and the goddess of the harvest for the rich red earth. Or would that be Faror? I mean, I'm sure that the... the Planting and harvest are two separate things. Yeah, the the pantheon and... the it, it, I'm sure that there's complexities to it that I can't imagine off the top of my head. They all work together. They Go do ahead. all work together. Does Hylia do anything time-wise? Here's the thing. Outside of leaving a message from beyond time, which sounds a lot like an answering machine... <laughs> I'm dead cert serious. That's basically what Fi is doing. She's playing a pre-recorded message. I don't think that Hylia ever does anything like time travel in any of the three games where she's explicitly featured. What about sending Terrico back in time? Terrico had a time machine in and of himself. He had uh, he had a time shift stone portal creator. Is that the same thing as Hylia using time travel with her own powers? I don't think it is. I guess not. In the Temple of Hylia, then, you would say those gears that pop up and operate within the walls, those are all time shift stones? Yes, absolutely. They are refined time shift stones. They are the mineral from which time travel is 
derived. So putting it and looking at this another way, gods have more fundamental concepts. Sages, there can be a sage of time. There is a sage of time, question mark. Uh, but, but sage, like the element of fire exists within the world. Yes. And so there can be a sage of fire, but there wouldn't be a god of fire. There could be a god of fire, but you wouldn't assume them to be the source of fire or the controller of all fire. Now, the time shift stones are implied to be the material that the Ocarina of Time is made of. And all those blocks of time. Okay. Whenever you play... Go ahead. Some mining and processing was done as of Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I would say so. Or it's an antique from those periods yeah but what what are you trying to lead into with this crystal we're just trying to establish uh, a timeline of time shift mining now i think that that is um difficult because we don't necessarily have to place skyward sword before ocarina of time and we don't know that the era of the demon war is the only time that they've had the know-how to refine the time shift stone indeed Hmm. Well, if Hylia is not necessarily the goddess of time, what is she the goddess of? Okay, now, this I think is actually an interesting conversation to have because it's informed by the fact that I just replayed Ocarina of Time. I hope you will both forgive me if I go on for a little bit here. Okay. So, um, in the Temple of Time, it is uh, there, there is actually a sage symbol that's inscribed on the big uh, warp point in the center of the Temple of Time that you step on as you step into it. Mm-hmm. And do you know what that symbol is? Light. What is it? It is the symbol of the Sage of Light. And you play the prelude of light. To return to the Temple, temple of, time. of Time. Yes. Now, it was a very popular theory at the time in a way that's being reinforced by Tears of the Kingdom that Zelda, the seventh sage, was the sage of time. You've heard of this, Crystal? Yes. Okay. But here's the thing. She's never said to be the sage of time. In fact, the idea that there is a sage of time doesn't mesh with the way that Ocarina of Time talks about time as being embodied in a person. The way that Sheik describes it is that the person who travels through time, controls the flow of time, changes the world by manipulating time, is not a sage. It is the hero. It is the defining aspect of the hero of time. Time is the domain of the hero, separate from the domains of the sages. So if you could argue that there is a sage of time, it would be more accurate to say that the sage of time and the hero of time are the same person. Okay, that makes sense to me. That's pretty cool. And, I would, and it's, there's an interlinking with the temple of time. And, and light. And light. Yes. I would like to suggest that Zelda, rather than being the sage of time, is this era's sage of light in the same way that Raru is the ancient sage of light. Does she use light powers? Her magic is the same color as Raru's. Okay. That's all, that's all that I've got for that one. And she does use light power. She gives you the light arrows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's I think that, true, yeah. That's pretty explicit, right? Yeah. I think, especially when you look at the quality of light as being in opposition to dark and demons. Yes. Light is good, and light is anti-demon. <laughs> it is protective or, or fighting for others. Yeah, that's sort and of that's Hylia. Sure. Hylia, I would say, is a goddess of light. 
derived from the role of the Hyrulean royal family who are stewards of the power of light, similar to how their shadows, the Sheikah, are stewards of the powers of darkness. Now, Zelda in Tears of the Kingdom has both light, light and, and time. time. Z-Link. Well, she carries the I master got. sword, right? <laughs> it is Z-Link, yes. Yay! Yes, that is Z-Link. Crystal, how do you feel like how do you feel about what I'm driving at here? That all makes sense to me. That's well argued. Okay. So I would like to argue like I'll just put this down. Um it's not I'm not going to speak for you two and say that it's the official position of the Book of Medora, but Hylia as the goddess of light makes an embodiment of the bloodline that have acted as the sages of light makes sense to me. And she has the light force. She does have the light force. That is mm. a thing. Yeah. I think it it makes a lot of sense too when you think of the old gods as very primordial establishing the foundations and structures of the world. Why did Hylia come afterwards? It's not that the quality of, of light as in, you know, from the sun. It's the quality of goodness and of protectiveness, of fighting that arose to protect this nation or, you know, the world. It's the anti-destructive force that had to form. Though it necessarily has the counterpart of darkness. Mm-hmm. Because darkness Although, is... light is essentially extraterrestrial. It comes from the sun and the stars, and the earth that, is dark. That's not wrong. Yes. Though the earth also came from stars, from a distant nebula. That's literally true. Our The stuff that we're made of used to be in a distant nebula. That's true. How distant was it? We've traveled a very long way in the past 14 billion years. Have we really traveled? Listen, I'm not here <laughs> to discuss astrophysics. So, Hylia, potentially the god of light, uh, embodiment of the light force, which I guess you could say is the passed on power and knowledge of light sorcery that is guarded by the Hyrulean royal house. So what what Vati stole isn't necessarily the power of Hylia or the Triforce, it is the power of the Sage of Light. And the power of light was given by the Minish who came from the sky. Yeah, potentially. I guess the Minish would be a very good people to learn the sorcery of light from. Because they're close to the sun. I don't know that we're necessarily following the same uh, logic course here, but yeah, sure. Why not? I think the Minish are pure goodness. They are the little magical elves that make the shoes. What about Vati? He was a Minish. Or a, a, a picori. Uh, uh, he, he he was a bad egg. <laughs> He's just a, just a bad egg. He didn't want that job. He left. And we dis- definitively state things can turn to demons. That's true. When they want to. That's very true. We do say that. So he turned away from being the good force. So so question seven. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. But we've definitively uh, answered it already. So I feel like we can skip this one. But question seven. Zelda is often portrayed as a sage, in Tears of the Kingdom, as the Sage of Time. But is that always true? Is she the new era's Sage of Light in Ocarina of Time? Example, note that in Ocarina of Time, time is almost exclusively the realm of the hero, not of any of the sages. I, I, I kind of got ahead of myself. I got ahead of myself earlier, and I answered this by, by accident. Do, do we agree that this has already been addressed? Yes. Okay, so historically, Zelda is a Sage of Light. And the royal family has been in charge of the time things because the hero hasn't shown. 
right. So the Song of Time, the Ocarina of Time. It's it's being held for the Hero of Time. Crystal, could you get the next question? Who and what is Ganon? How does he relate to other evils in the series? I'd love to hear your take on this, Crystal. Who is Ganon? What do we well, see as the origin? To answer that, we have to determine where Ganon came from. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you did, see as did the... Did he come from the Gerudo? I don't think he has to. I don't think he has to come from the Gerudo at all. I'm Okay. You put this in an interesting way yesterday. Do you remember? I don't. What did I say? <laughs> Y'all have to forgive me. I was not sober yesterday. Uh, no, this was when you were sober. Oh, was I? It was on one of our trips to the grocery store. I was on some shit while I was at the grocery store. You were not. <laughs> or on our, our way to... Oh, I don't mean chemically on some shit. I just mean that my brain was firing at a different speed. Oh, okay, then yes. It was that Ganon is fundamentally Ganon. A part of the world, just in the way that gravity is. Yes. And in some respects, in Ocarina of Time, you have Ganondorf, and he's doing a bunch of shit, and the end reveal is, no, it's not... Just Gandorf. It's not just some guy who, yes. you know, is a, a yeah, king yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah, the yeah, desert. Yeah. Pull off that mask. It's actually Ganon. Yes. That's, here. here's how I'm feeling it, Crystal. Um, so throughout uh, Ocarina of Time, I, I get the feeling that Ganondorf is almost like this disguise, right? He's Ganondorf, the king of evil, and he's presented with this fancy, fancy title, just like every other boss in the game. Yes. But then at the end, the one time that they introduce someone without a fancy title where it's just the name that is itself the announcement the reveal that implies everything you need to know about them when he casts aside the disguise of ganondorf and he is his true self ganon it's like surprise ganondorf was ganon it feels it's a twist for five-year-olds it's a for people yes it is a twist for five-year-olds but only five-year-olds who were also five (laughs) when they played the original legend of zelda it's like, oh shit, Ganon's back. Or a link to the past. Sure. But but this is sort of like the what do you call it? The the Star Fox Planet game? Star Fox Adventures? Star Fox Adventures. Crystal, do you know the twist to Star Fox Adventures? Yeah, it was Andros all along. Yes. In the very last second, the no. moon turns around and is Andros. People are listening to this. Luke is listening to this and going, what the fuck is Cameron talking about? How is that a reveal? Well, it you have to keep in mind. That in my head now, I'm playing with the idea that the first game in the Zelda timeline is The Legend of Zelda, the Hyrule Fantasy. The chronological timeline has made its imprint on your brain. Yes, it has. And I think that it's justifiable. And if it is justifiable, that means that when Urbosa said that once Ganon took on the shape of a Gerudo, she was speaking correctly because Ganondorf is a disguise that Ganon uses after coming back to life. That's what I said yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you said the Urbosa thing. Yes. I said the Ganondorf taking, being a disguise of Ganon come back to life. So it's like the Aganim disguise. Only much more. And, and a lot more blatantly got Ganon in the name. Maybe you should be a little bit more concerned. Does this take away from Ganondorf as a character? I don't think so. It just places him in a different context. Crystal, what do you think of this idea? The idea that Ganondorf is the disguise of Ganon, the demon, the true lord of the Mazuko. I'm not opposed to this idea, but I still love the idea of Mandrag Ganon, who claims a Triforce. Tell me about Mandrag Ganon. 
he broke into the sacred realm and he claimed the Triforce and he made the wish and now the Triforce has to grant his wish, but it can't because his hunger is too great. Can't that be true even if, like, if Mandrag Ganon is just one of the names of Ganon? I don't think that that's something that has to exclude the backstory of Link to the Past at all. But he became the pig man because the, the Dark World warped him. That is one of the ideas, but was he ever described as human in that backstory? He was a thief? So, is he ever actually described as having been transformed by the Dark World? Hmm. Was he in the manual or the text dump? Let's see. You're saying he could have been a pig man when he invaded the Dark World. I mean, it's possible. I also think that, importantly, it's not... I mean, he has a very pig-like characteristic in some ways but it's also just very generally bestial slash demonic you know that ganon can take the guise of humans because of aganum yes ganondorf is just the new aganum that's what i would like to suggest for this we know that he's a shapeshifter fundamentally he turns into bats he turns into people and his truest shape is probably a big pig wizard who's skilled in the power of magic. There's no reference to Ganon being transformed into a pig. Yeah, I'm looking at that here. I'm reading the text dump. Okay, so the manual doesn't mention Ganondorf or Ganon being transformed, though he was, I was called. Reading the text dump, it also does not mention. It does say the person who rediscovered the Golden Land was Ganondorf, the evil thief. Yes, and then. You are the only one who can destroy Ganondorf, the thief. No, Ganon, the evil king of darkness. Which I think would imply that Ganondorf, again, was a form that Ganon took. But not Ganondorf. I mean Ganon. Ganondorf is actually Ganon. Does this hurt the reading of Mandrag Ganon for you, Crystal? No, it makes it better that he was always a pig man. Hell yeah. So how do you feel about the idea of Ganondorf being a disguise that Ganon takes in order to move through the world. I like it. Okay, so like th that's the uh, here's my idea, and I we may if you want to before we close out this episode, we can maybe talk about the timeline that I'm sort of cooking. Um, the idea is that Ganon returns sometime between Adventure of Link and Ocarina of Time, and he comes back in the shape of a Gerudo man, allies himself with Twin Rova who he teaches dark magic in exchange for them claiming to be his mother, and becomes a head of state, which allows him to move through the world and amass power without the support of the demon tribe. You don't think he could be born? He could be born, but he doesn't have to be, is what I'm saying. How do we feel about that possibility? I like it. Yeah. I, the, this whole concept of Ganon and Ganondorf, the, the king from... Wind Waker also draws the distinction, except for in that one yelly line that he has to wish Ganondorf drowning with Hyrule. Yeah, when he addresses Ganon, Ganon exclusively as Ganon. Yes, and in the Wind Waker episodes, if I recall, we talked about the king using the name Ganon as a way to insult Ganondorf. Mm -hmm. But now I'm wondering if it might just be an assertion of Ganon's true nature. It could be both. It could be both. Especially because Ganondorf there identifies himself as Ganondorf. It's yes. a bit rude. <laughs> well, if there's one guy you're allowed to be rude to. He is Ganon. He is Ganon. So I guess it's really come down to a question of who is the true person of Ganon? Is it Ganondorf, the Gerudo, or is it the evil pig wizard who's going to eat the world? Pig. 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 So Book of Medora, shake on it. 
<laughs> the fundamental character of Ganon is Ganon, not Ganondorf. Cameron shook his own hand. <laughs> yeah, shake on it. We're Ganondorf. shaking. Ganondorf. We're shaking. Dorf means village, so it's Ganon village. He is Ganon from the village. Ganon of the people. <laughs> Everyday guy, but Ganon. Ganon man. So I really like, I like this idea. I like it a lot. I love playing around with the idea of what Ganon is. Like, 13-year-old Cameron would hear this and go, are you out? I don't know if I like this idea, is what 13-year-old Cameron would say. But I I love playing around with it. It's fucking great. If you can't convince your 13-year-old self of something. Oh, that little bastard was really stubborn, though. But he would admit stuff. That's true. If you argued with him about the death penalty. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And abortion rights. Okay. You're, okay, I guess we're airing this out on the podcast. <laughs> when we were younger and dating online, the only arguments Cameron and I had were about... Zelda. <laughs> well, and, then, yeah. and then real shit. Yes. I was raised in a very conservative household, so I carried those views forward until I discussed them with someone, and then I was like, wait, these don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's always important to interrogate the things that you think you believe because you may just be parroting other people's beliefs. It was very fun arguing with you. Because you absorbed you, that information. Because you would win. And I would win. <laughs> I would say, what if uh, the justice system couldn't correctly identify uh, the guilty party 100% of the time and an innocent person could be killed and has been killed? And little baby Cameron immediately goes, well, that's not good. So I was Cameron being raised by Republican parents and Ganondorf is fundamentally just Ganon wearing a mask, which is really fun. But it also has certain implications about who the demon king Ganondorf is. We'll come back to that. Um, this next question. Why is there no currency system in Zelda 2? What are rupees exactly? What does this mean for the economy of Hyrule? Which one of you wrote this? Uh, I did. Okay, go on. I'd love to hear about this, Crystal. We had a brief discussion about this in the Discord, because there is no rupees in Zelda 2. There, there's just no rupees. I think that rupees... I think they're used in the Little Kingdom because it is a, a desolate, dangerous place where you can't expect adventurers to pay you back because they might get killed by moblins. Right. So they got to pay up front with rupees. And it's such a rough area, the, the local concepts of whatever currency or exchange may be have fallen apart it's a failed state area is that what you're saying yes okay but in in the towns you can operate on an informal credit system it could also be that like link is known to be the hero who rescued the princess and you don't charge that guy for resting at an inn or having some tea with you you do get invited in by all the pretty ladies of the town. And all the old women. Just just for being there. Yeah. It is a form of, uh, they're not charging for their services. Right. So is it possible that it, an adventure of Link, Link just isn't charged for any of the services he's rendered, and he never has to buy new equipment? That's right. He already uh, has the best equipment. He already has the best equipment from Legend of Zelda. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Is that the master? Is that the light sword? It is the magic light? sword. It is a magic sword. Okay, yeah. he has the magic sword. I mean, it shoots beams. That's pretty magic. Here's the other possibility: Link, after having saved the princess, and he's he's living in the castle. We don't know. It doesn't seem like it. I don't know. Impa. Did Why would Impa have to tell him about? Anyway, go on. But 
Either way, he's now flush with cash. Oh. It's not an important thing to the system. He does go to town and buy things. Rupees are trivial. Okay, okay. Um, Now, I'd like to suggest this about that idea. Um, And Crystal, let me know if you agree or disagree. The thing about the idea that Link just has so much money it doesn't matter is it sucks. (laughs) Why is that? (laughs) Because I just don't like the idea of Link being You don't want a rich Link? No, I don't want to. I don't want He becomes the king. Not before the (laughs) game starts. He's, He's like, everybody knows he's like the prince consort or whatever. Let's make nice to him. Okay. Hate this. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you something. What feels better that you save a town and you get 10,000 rupees, which would last you for a thousand stays at the end or whatever, or you stay at, you rescue the town and in Lurel Village, they tell you, we will never charge you for a bed and every day we will feed you. <laughs> the latter is better. Crystal, how, which of those is better to you? Yeah, the latter's better. Okay. Then that's what happened in Adventure of Link because it's better. Okay. I I think but, I think that either way he doesn't need to worry about money. I don't know if it's just that you know he is Zelda or whoever's like you're just not going to wor- need to worry about money again for your basic needs. That's the mo- the least we could do. But Crystal, I do also really like your idea that larger Hyrule is post scarcity, and they simply don't have to keep track of this stuff. Well, it's more post scarcity. It's more of a mutual aid kind of society. Yes. To everyone according to what they need. If they see that you are injured, they will take you in and treat you. In medieval times, in the villages, people generally did not exchange currency. That was used for, like, merchant transactions when they were traveling. It was a completely parallel economy. Were they haggling? What? In in communities, if there wasn't currency, were they trading, like, eggs for... No, it was it was informal credit because everyone was around. Everyone had obligations to each other. Everyone always like owed each other a little bit, so hmm. they would just you know do labor for each other. Okay, it's uh, literally mutual aid. Okay, that's nice. Society is about everyone owing uh, fifty bucks to each other. <laughs> that is literally how humanity operates no it's not literally how humanity operates but i think it's a much better system than the one we're currently living under yeah if you pay someone back the exact amount of money that you owe them that's a sign that you want nothing more to do with them you're severing your relationship wow and you know if you then of course you have the feudalism thing on top of it but if we cut away feudalism and pretend (laughs) that that part wasn't happening (laughs) But yes, Crystal, I really, even more than Link being rewarded for being the hero, I like your version. I like the version where in this era of Hyrule, they simply don't need money because the relationships between the people means that they just help each other. That might even be true of other eras of Hyrule, because I think what rupees are broadly is something that you gain through adventuring. You go out and you cut the grass, you open the treasure chests, you... Gamble, which is a form of adventuring, and you go spend it in shops that cater to adventurers. Okay, so rupees are an embodiment and a currency exclusive to the parallel adventuring economy. Because you can't, because adventurers are always traveling, unlike people who live in the same village as you, you can't necessarily trust them to stick around and pay you back later. Right, that stands to reason. Um, 
Okay, so if adventurers are part of a parallel economy, then most of the things that you do wouldn't necessarily require rupees if you're not an adventurer. It's just something that Link encounters because he's a traveler. I have another thing. Similar to how merchants exchanged uh, coins during an era where people didn't really switch money with each other. Yes. Is that about the size of it, Crystal? Yes. Monica. I have another idea. Uh, rupees can be acquired by cutting grass. Yeah, Crystal mentioned that. Oh, sorry. I, I was getting a little coffee. So, sorry. Do grass I was mentioned as an adventuring tech, uh, like an adventuring thing. Okay. Anyway, please continue. Adventure of Link has an experience bar or experience stats. Oh, no. Rupees are simply the commodification of experience points. We're back to we're back to force gems. Yeah. Fuck. Are rupees force gems? But yeah. force gems aren't a parallel economy. They're in everything. Unless force gems are also exclusive to adventuring. Time needs you would need time to gather force gems. I will point out that rupees are canonically a thing that everyone tries to gather in Ocarina of Time, even if they're not adventurers. Because you know why? Why? Because experience points... Oh, fuck. ...allow you to gain life, magic, power, uh, enable you to wield spells, so... The richer you are, the more powerful you are, but... Money is treated as fundamentally evil in Ocarina of Time. Greed for money will curse your entire family to be weird spider people. Greed for power. They're using more than they need to get by. Crystal, what do you think of this? Rupees are used in the market, but how many NPCs talk about using rupees? Um, there's at least two that I can think of. There's an old woman who made a sale to the person who's, um sitting at the seller's mat, like the ones from Link to the Past. Okay. And then there's the person to whom you can actually sell items from your bottles. So they're both merchants. I suppose so. And f it's funny, um, except for when you pay for milk at Lon Lon Ranch, Talon never mentions being paid or anything by the royal family. He's just delivering a shipment. He's just delivering a shipment. They never mention the economic importance of this shipment, just that the shipment is being made. Right, they probably have a deal where he ships the milk and the soldiers uh, don't attack him. <laughs> All right, the soldiers little... cut some grass and then they impart the energy from the grass over... To the cows. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think about it, a government is just a well-organized mafia. That sounds no, correct. No, they're the grass-cutting machine. <laughs> the ideal form of government is the guys who come over and cut the grass for you. They make sure that... <laughs> All the cows are in good shape. I think about the greedy man in Twilight Princess. Did he wish specifically to be turned into gold? No. Or rupees? <laughs> no. What happened to him? He was just cursed, I think. I mean, I'll replay it probably sometime soon, but he was cursed. By Pose. By Pose. They cursed it. They took his soul and cut it up into a hundred pieces, which is pretty gnarly. Hyrule Town is defined by its bustling markets. And Kikariko has a few shops, but there's a lot of non-market activity in Kikariko. That's true. There's a lot of carpentry. Um, and it, it, it is a previously secret village that has only just been opened up in the child era of Ocarina of Time. So that the people who are too poor to live in Hyrule Castletown can find a place to live. That's actually in the text of one of the women that you talk to 
in the child era in Kakariko Village. Yes. Is Kakariko the way that Rome says it? I don't remember. It feels like it might be. Now, the most developed economy in the games is probably actually Clocktown, which even has a bank set up. Yeah, Clocktown may actually be a capitalist society. That's why it had to be destroyed by the moon. That's why Majora <laughs> is uh, based, actually, for destroying Clocktown. Is that what the kids say, or is that like some weird shit? I'm not going to say that anymore. Are you old and out of fashion? I at least don't know whether or not that particular phrase has some implications. Is ru- Are rupees... Rupees are accepted in other kingdoms. Yes. Yes. And in dreams. Ye- well, I mean, the logic of the dream comes from the dreamer. So, yes, there are rupees in Link's Awakening, but they're not real physical objects except as they are given substance by the dream. What are we talking about? The economy. The economy. Okay, Crystal, how do you see the economy of Hyrule working? Do you think that it changes from game to game? Well, we know as of uh, Tears of the Kingdom, we have several companies who are taking over Hyrule slowly. Go on. We have Unoboko. We have uh, uh, Bolson Construction, and That's then uh, I guess I guess the the other towns aren't quite ca- capitalized yet, well, but they might get there soon. Yeah, I guess the the way that Bolson Co works directly for the crown could be compared to how many fifteenth uh, to seventeenth European corporations work directly for the crown of their own countries. We're in the early modern period of Hyrule. The early modern period. Thankfully, Ganon comes around every once in a while and destroys the capitalist society. So they can revert to monarchy? Well, I mean, monarchy with mutual aid at least avoids a certain degrees of uh, poverty. Cameron is arguing for monarchy. <laughs> I mean, as com- in the specific context of The Legend of Zelda, God, I'm not a fucking royalist. Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> your, your country as a king, you swore loyalty to King Charles. I did not swear loyalty to King Charles. You swore loyalty you to Queen Elizabeth. did via Elizabeth and her heir, heirs and successors. I did swear loyalty. <laughs> that did happen. I had to do that. So you I had to. Keep, and... I had to to keep living here. Well, I'm, it's not like I was born into it with the assumed loyalty of oath that was hung around your well, neck from the instant you were born. Not me. <laughs> no, well, they can go on assuming that. <laughs> Listen, I'll break an oath of loyalty to the king. <laughs> I'm looking around to make sure that none of the border services heard me say that shit. Man, fuck the king. Fuck Charles. I hope he dies. Early. It can't I be I think early. it's just funny that he's the king of Canada. It is very funny that he's the king of Canada. And it's very funny that ever that all three major parties, except somehow the reactionaries are all like, oh, the monarchy is so cool. And the reactionaries are over here like, we should get rid of the monarchy. And it's like, okay, what do you want to replace them with? And they're like, we're not going to talk about that part yet. It's like, oh, okay, I'm sure that's fine. But the monarchy is the foundation of the Canadian state. Okay, well, we'll have to find a different sort of fucking Canadian state, won't we? It's time for, I'll tell you what it's time for. It's time for fucking reconciliation. And one of the first steps in reconciliation has to be shaking off the monarchy. You can't even pass laws without the king's approval. Actually, we, I'm pretty sure we got the right to pass our own laws without the king's approval. No, it needs to be approved by the governor general. God damn it. Who is the authority from the king? Right. Well, they still have to be approved. This is why Unoboko needs to overthrow Zelda. (laughs) But I don't think that it's true that Unoboko needs to overthrow you, Zelda. You need to learn about the king being fling. 
King Bing Fling? Yes. What the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> the King Bing Fling was a political event that happened in Canada's history in which the Prime Minister, I think it was Mackenzie King, that's the king actually here, okay. uh, wanted to call an early election because it was more beneficial tactically to him. However, the only person who could call the election technically was the governor general, who favored the other guy. And so Bing was like, no, I'm not going to call election right now because. And then Mackenzie King, being very savvy, made this the front of his uh, reelection campaign going, the governor general is trying to mess around with our politics and shit. And, oh, actually, the other guy who... Um, being favored said oh no no actually let's do the election right now so yes uh, the, the election was was going on and Mackenzie king was like look at this fucker trying to meddle in our politics and then he got reelected in because of bringing this up so this was the king bing fling and after that it was such a, a perceived scandal the governor general is very unlikely to do anything contrary to what the the house or the the prime minister has decided. I get, it's very unlikely for the governor general to speak out against the choices of parliament. Yes. So that's the king being fling. I have retained this from grade 10. Thank you. I feel educated. <laughs> Crystal, how do you feel? Canada is so silly. <laughs> They're going to change our money to put King Charles's face on it. And I would wipe my ass with a dollar bill if they still had those. He's only going to be king for like a couple of years. I'm God willing, he will die this year. That would be so funny. Can't we worship something else like the maple leaf? Yeah, the maple leaf. Yeah, worship the tree. I'm in favor of a complete Canadian iconoclasm. Based off the maple leaf? No, iconoclasm <laughs> being the destruction of all oh, of the iconography. Sure. Get rid of the flag. Get rid of the crown. Get all, rid of all that shit. Build Canada again from the ground up in collaboration with the indigenous peoples of Canada. Sure. Land back, motherfuckers. Yeah. We have to... Come to, and anyway, no, I'm not a fucking monarchist. God damn it. <laughs> In conclusion. I just don't like the idea of Hyrule falling into late stage capitalism. It's early stage capitalism. Uh, it's not fucking about to be based on the way. The I, I'll, I'll take the bold position that early modern capitalism was an improvement over absolute monarchy. You think that, but early modern capitalism invented chattel slavery. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I would like to say a few things. One, monarchy in Hyrule is this person is our big guns when we have to do the fight against entropy and evil every so often. They're the people who get the bad times. The fantasy of the Hyrule fantasy is that monarchy can be useful. The second thing is, Shinobu Co. as a corporation was basically... The Gorons felt a little bit down, so I made up a fun club concept. I am the boss of the club, everybody insisted. But it's basically so we could, you know, make sure that people visiting the area had fun, and we had fun, and we're going to make this amusement park, too, to have fun. Okay, how about Hudson Co.? They want to build a bunch of shit. <laughs> I don't know. They are trying to monopolize the housing market in Hyrule. They're facilitating it. Sure, but... I don't know if they're... I think they're monopolizing it by default. They they even put the materials there. They're not building the materials. Anyway, rupees are for adventurers. It's a parallel economy. Until breath. <laughs> Where of the were we with this conversation? This was all question nine. Yeah, that was all question nine. Crystal, thank you for the biggest question. 
can can do we do we feel like we've answered that question, Crystal? Yeah. Okay. Uh, why, why don't you read question ten for us, Crystal? The English text of Zelda Two suggests that the sleeping Zelda is the same Zelda from the Hyrule Fantasy. What are the implications of this? Can you expand on this? Okay, I wrote this down. Um, in the opening text crawl for Zelda Two, I tweeted about this. Crystal, did you see this? Yes. Okay. So the opening text for Zelda Two says, After Ganon was destroyed, Impa told Link a sleeping spell was cast on Princess Zelda. She will wake only with the power of the third Triforce, sealed in a palace in Hyrule. To break the seal, crystals must be placed in statues in six well-guarded palaces. Link set out on his most adventuresome quest yet. Now, I think we can agree that the language used here is perhaps broad, but specific enough to suggest that this Zelda is the same Zelda that is referred to in Zelda 1. She is the same Zelda that was involved in the conflict with Ganon. How do you two feel about this assertion? It's very interesting. I have thoughts on a thing, and I need to add to the question list, so I didn't hear any of what you said. Did you add to the question list? No, I won't forget. Okay. What I said was that perhaps you could argue that the language is a little broad, but I think that it's specific enough to possibly read it as referring to Princess Zelda, the singular, who would be the same Princess Zelda involved in the conflict with Ganon. Yeah, like, let's put ourselves in the shoes of somebody in 1987. Yeah, 87, 88, if you were in the U.S. Playing on the Nintendo, well, okay, then 88. Yeah, 88. Yeah, this is the English text. Playing on the Nintendo Entertainment System. All they have to go off of is the manual and the game. Yes. Now, if they didn't have the manual, then they have this. If they just have the game. If if there's a conflict between the manual and the game, you have to go with the game. Do we agree with that, Crystal? Yes. Uh, so, okay. They, they're not going to look at the manual. Okay. Though most people read the manual. Most people read the days. manual. But looking just at this intro text, what do we think? After Ganon was destroyed, Impa told Link a sleeping spell was cast on Princess Zelda. Who cast the sleeping spell? I I guess the thing here is that we'll get to that in a second. We had a lot of ideas on this. We did have a lot of ideas on this. But, Crystal, would you say that the structure of this sentence suggests that it is not a new Zelda being referred to? It is the same Zelda. Yes, it would make sense to read this as the same Zelda. Yes. It has to be acknowledged that in the Famicom disk system, it is said the other Zelda, which means there's two Zeldas. But in this text, that reference is specifically dropped. That's such a weird thing to say, the other Zelda. Well, it really said... Well, that is in Japanese, right? Yeah, it, well, it wasn't in Japanese. The text for these intros is always in English, including in the Japanese oh. version. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Which is why the text is actually the another Zelda, because the English in those early versions wasn't very good. Oh, wow. The another Zelda. Yes. So it, I, I, we can't read that. It's just a bad translation, but we can read it as referring to the fact that there is another Zelda or the other Zelda. There's two Zeldas in the Japanese version, but in the English version, there's just the one. And that brings... I love that whoever was localizing this looked at that sentence and went, what? <laughs> I'm sure it'll never come up if I just lop off another. And now here we are, uh, almost 40 years later... Is that person still alive? Oh, yeah, definitely. Maybe, yeah, if they were young. Absolutely. They're, they're old, though. They're old, though. Jesus. What? So, 
the implications, Crystal, what do you see? Like that the question, who cast the spell on Zelda? Who did it? Who did it? <laughs> well, it has to be somebody. And it has somebody to be. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. We agree that somebody had to cast the sleeping spell that was cast. There's real passive had, language in the intro. My my theory is probably a bit shorter. Okay, hit me. When put to this, when you asked me about this, Cameron, yesterday or the day before. Day before. I thought immediately, uh, this is a test of the Triforce. Therefore, it oh. is either the Triforce taking into its own hands because the Triforce wants to be back together, or it might even be a spell cast by Zelda on herself. She's like, we have to, the only way to fix this issue that's been outstanding of this kingdom is to put myself to sleep, which will spur the hero. Now, see, I have a problem with this. And Crystal, let me know if this reasoning makes sense to you. Why wouldn't she just tell Link to do this thing and he would obey her? He's not out to do that. Why wouldn't he just go on a quest? It has to be a self-motivated quest. <laughs> okay, alternatively, it is something across the um, Hyrulean monarchy so that there is a uh, there was a spell set in place some time ago that would kick in when the hero made himself known. The monarch at the time would be put to sleep until the Triforce is reunited. That seems a terrible system. The hero is definitively there. What if the hero dies? It's a very important quest. It's true that the hero's not dead, Crystal, but he could be. And then there's problems. And and arguably, this is separate from the other thing, which is Ganon's minions are running around. So it could have been set in places like after the hero has defeated bad guys generally and made himself known, he's going to go on this spiritual quest. So Zelda cast a spell on herself. Yes, that's that's my perspective. Or, you know, uh, 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 it was a family issue. Okay, here's what I would like to suggest, but it requires a little bit of setup. Please forgive me. Um, if we can ignore the story of the manual of a link to, of Adventure of Link, do we agree that based on the text of the intro, it is of dubious canon for this conversation? Yes. Yes. Okay. If that's of dubious canon, that means that... <coughs> Ganon's minions are not necessarily trying to sprinkle Link's ashes on, uh, sorry, Link's blood on Ganon's ashes to revive Ganon, right? Right. Like that mechanism isn't necessarily happening. But when Link dies, Ganon returns. So there is a um, definite link where Link's death causes the return of Ganon, one way or the other. I would even go so far to say that the whole we need the blood of the hero on the ashes of Ganon is basically just old nintendo for we need to kill the hero because some mentions of death and religion and whatever were heavily censored. Sprinkling someone's blood to me is much more graphic than just saying we have to kill him. Not if you're trying to dodge a specific weird legal censor. Okay, well, in any case, we know that Link's death is causally linked to Ganon's return. Mm-hmm. So, just follow me here. If I'm Ganon, and I have a... I'm seeking the Triforce. We know that Ganon in The Legend of Zelda was seeking all the pieces of the Triforce, right? We agree on that. Uh-huh. He, he, he had already taken the Triforce of Power. He was trying to get the Triforce of Wisdom. It follows that if he knew about it, he would also be trying to get the Triforce of Courage. Now... What is the best way to get the Triforce? Obviously, if Ganon was still around, eventually he would go after the Triforce of Courage himself. 
But if you are dead, what is the best way to get the Triforce of Courage out of its storage? Amazon. It, it is spurring the, someone else to get it for you. Which, oh. is, which is something that Ganon does in many games, including Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. So what I'm suggesting is that one of Ganon's minions or an emissary of Ganon or something places a sleeping spell on Zelda so powerful that the sages of Hyrule are unable to break it, which means the only way to break it is to unite the Triforce. So the sleeping spell placed on Zelda is there to drive Link to unite the Triforce. Yes, but not by Zelda, but by the Mazuko. And this creates two possibilities. Link's death leads to Ganon's return, and in that case, Ganon can go get the Triforce of Courage himself. Or, Link gathers the Triforce of Courage, and eventually, Link dies. And Link's death leads to Ganon's return after the Triforce has already been gathered for him. Very good. Very nice. (laughs) I like that... Uh, not even the sleeping spell component, but just the nefariousness of the spell tied upon once you're killed by a guy, actually his death will relive you. Yes. Realive you. The revive. Revive. The, my idea is that the life of the hero itself acts as a seal on Ganon's life. And as soon as that seal is broken by the hero's death, Ganon returns, and this is the mechanism by which Ganon returns. Normally, he's immortal, but when he's killed, you become the lock that holds Ganon on the other side of death. And as soon as you die, he just comes back, because without you, he's immortal. So what I would like to suggest as a little, uh, just, just, just as an illustration of how this timeline could work, Link gets the Triforce together and revives Zelda. Everything good. Everything good because now Link with the either because he has gathered the Triforce and earned the name of King or because he becomes the Princess Reckonance consort, he is now in a position to use his wisdom and his experience with Ganon and his re- personal relationships with all of the sages to set up a defense system to protect against people like Ganon. He is a sorcerer, um, if not king, then at least a sorcerer princess consort, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm suggesting that the Triforce King and the Sages of Hyrule work together to create a place where the Triforce can be safely stored, which in time becomes known as the Sacred Realm, hidden behind the Temple of Time, locked behind the Ocarina of Time and the Master Sword, which is created possibly from the Magic Sword, the power of the Triforce, and the wisdom of the Sages. And forged by the Sages. Forged by the Sages. And in creating this, Link, the legendary hero, sets up the circumstances that will eventually lead to the events of Ocarina of Time. And he tries to... like. Have you ever fought a Zora in Adventure of Link, Crystal? How much of Adventure of Link have you played? Played it a long time ago. Okay. There are Zora. They were um, they were localized as basilisks in the manual, I think. But they're clearly Zora when you fight them. They look like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Sometimes they walk on all fours. But they are magically very powerful in this game. They are immune to everything except for fire. It's the only way to hurt them. 
And it makes me think that maybe the Zora of that period were simply very territorial and trying to protect their territory from the incursions of humanity. And in the same way, the Gorons could have been doing something similar in the Death Mountain regions by pushing landslides and avalanches towards the hero whenever he invaded in their territory. That was my theory. Yeah, it's Monica, yes. <laughs> Those boulders that jumped down from Death Mountain. Yeah, Monica thought that perhaps they were Gorons. I'm suggesting that maybe the Gorons pushed them down. There's different ways to read it. How, how are you feeling about this so far, Crystal? I'm listening. Okay. So what happens is after that, there starts to be, like, Link, the legend, starts to create these diplomatic relationships with the Gorons and the Zoras so that afterward their peoples are not necessarily in conflict with each other. And he rules over the greater kingdom of Hyrule, like in the map timeline, right? But when Link dies, it creates a fragmented... Two things happen. One, Ganon returns, possibly in the guise of the very young Ganondorf from the Gerudo region. And two... It causes a split which fragments the larger kingdom of Hyrule into much smaller um, kingdoms, only one of which carries on the actual legacy of the legendary hero. So you've got different kingdoms all calling themselves Hyrule under different dynasties. Maybe one even goes off to another part of the world in exile and forms the old kingdom of Spirit Tracks. But the reduced kingdom of Hyrule is the uh, Hyrule of Ocarina of Time, and one of Zelda and Link's descendants is the king of the Civil War era. So the the rump state of Hyrule is the area around the Temple of Time. Yes. I would like to suggest that rather than the kingdom fracturing and scattering, if this is a Rome situation, the kingdom of Hyrule after Adventure of Link spread to all these areas, but after Link's death, they had their own separate consider- self-claims to who is continuing his line. That's what I'm saying. That's okay. the fracturing. Okay. It is It is a succession conflict. Because, Crystal, the way that you framed your uh, timeline and the Deviant timeline got me thinking about Hyrule as a real um, political entity. And I think that this might be a reading of how the death of the legendary hero king would have been similar to the death of like Charlemagne or Genghis Khan. But the the lord around the Temple of Time managed to win the unification war. Yes. And re- reclaim the title, the lost title of King of Hyrule. Well, I don't think that he ever lost the title, so to speak. It's but his just, claim was strengthened? It, it's not that his claim is strengthened. It's just that he got the Zora and the Gorons to agree to his claim. He is yes. supported by the other peoples of Hyrule. And Charlemagne. That, he is Charlemagne, yes. He is anointed by the other peoples of Hyrule like the great Deku Tree. And he exchanges the sacred stones with them as symbols of that uh, fellowship that they have. Okay. The, so Ocarina of Time is a sequel to Adventure of Link. Yes. It takes place about 100 years after Adventure of Link is what I would like to suggest. What okay. about Link to the Past? Link to the Past would come later. We could, we, I guess we could talk about that if you want. But what I'm suggesting is that the first three games, in the, or not necessarily the first three games in the timeline, but you could take them as a sequence, the Hyrule Fantasy, the Adventure of Link, and Ocarina of Time. And that's the idea that I had. It's given me real good brain chemicals for like the past 48 to 72 hours. I like it. And therefore, the imprisoning war 
And Link to the Past could be Ocarina of Time. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I don't know about that. But Mandrag Ganon was Ganondorf Dragmire. He is Ganondorf the, the, Dragmire who finds his way into the Sacred Realm. It doesn't line up, though. Why not? Because the details are all different. The, details the sages w- were, were men. The details would be different. Because the sages who formed the Triforce or formed the Master Sword were all men. But the sages who became the sages in Ocarina of Time weren't known as sages to the rest of the populace. So when does Link to the Past happen? Link to the Past? Okay. I'm just gonna... Can I can I share a screen with you real quick? Uh-huh. Okay, hold on. Let me pull this up. Um, is it the one you posted before? It is in D. So let me know if you can see this okay. I can see it. Is my mouse on there? So you're saying uh, Link to the Past is on the child timeline? Yes, it takes place after Majora's Mask. What I'm suggesting is, um, well, I I guess this is actually self-explanatory. They opted not to kill Ganon in Ocarina of Time and instead sealed him. So his life isn't tied to the life of the Hero of Time, which is why this seal lasts longer. So instead of Ganondorf manipulating the kids, he just broke in. No, 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 no. I'm saying that the, the story of Link to the Past, as portrayed in the manual, is slightly skewed by the fact that Link's adventures in Ocarina of Time aren't visible to the Hylians who would be recording that history. Everything that happened with the sages was in secret and behind closed doors. And more, the sages, the modern sages, never awoke in the child timeline. So which sages could have possibly sealed Ganondorf as the people would understand it? It must have been the ancient sages of the Adventure of Link era. That's how people read it. You're saying that people didn't know about the imprisoning war? I'm saying that it is a matter of legend to explain what happened to Ganondorf. But there was a big war. Yeah, there was. I think I think that there could still be, more like what you were saying originally, Crystal, there was an imprisoning war happening because of the consequences of uh, the child timeline. Okay, so what, what you would suggest, Monica, as a way to reconcile these two ideas, just for our listeners, is that... After the end of Ocarina of Time in the Child Timeline, Link takes the Ocarina of Time and leaves in order to keep it out of Ganondorf's hands. But instead of being sealed by time shenanigans, Ganondorf wages war to gain the Triforce and eventually gets his way in there. Yes, and there's the Mandragon plot. But they slam it shut behind him, mm-hmm. the sages, after fighting a prolonged battle to make sure that he stays in there. Yes. Uh, is that okay, Crystal? Yeah, that's okay. Okay, so the Link to the Past storyline does happen. Ganondorf Dragmire does go through different means to break into the Sacred Realm. And that's why the the telling of the Imprisoning War in Link to the Past is different from Ocarina of Time, because it's the child timeline. It doesn't really happen, the, the events of Ocarina of Time. That makes sense. As such. That makes uh, sense we'll to talk. me. Good. That, that's great. We'll talk more about this timeline uh, in the future when we talk about like timeline ideas, but that is the spirit of it at the moment. I just like the idea of Adventure of Link being the backstory to Ocarina of Time. It makes me feel like a kid again. Or 
no, this is putting it the, the traditional way it was conceived at the time, which is, is very funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. That Ocarina of Time is the, not the same as the Imprisoning War, but in some respects It is at least related to the Imprisoning War. It creates the space in which the Imprisoning War takes place. This is terrifyingly close to the release order timeline. Yes, <laughs> but I find that really fun. But it's In some ways, it's got the feels that the that Nintendo developers would have had at the time of creating the respective games. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I'm sorry for taking up so much time with my particular bullshit. I hope that you both enjoyed it at least a little bit. Um, yes. I've got a question 11. Oh, you do? You do? I didn't put it down. Oh, okay. What are the spirits of good? And I have some mm. uh, good announcements to make in this sector. Announcements? Because we have established some things earlier in this conversation. For the record, I'm not being ironic with the way that I said announcements. I am appalled and frightened of where she's going with this. Well, we have talked about a confusion of Hylia's nature. We have discussed that it is far more likely that she is the goddess of light rather than the goddess of time. Okay. I would like to remind us that the spirits of good, their name in Japanese was Hikari no Kami. The gods of light. And that the Lokomo, the servants of these gods of light, were entrusted with the bow of light and some other thing of light. Hold on. The compass of light. And the symbol of the spirits of good. Is the big-ass force gem and the highly a bird shape. Yeah. Monica, send that into the line real quick so Crystal I don't can have see. Ac- oh, into the line. Yeah, just send it into the line if you... Just click and scroll down, Crystal. Okay. It's uh, under symbol of the spirits. Yep, that is very similar to the crest of Hyrule. Of Hylia. And light here is in opposition to demon. The demons of the demon war. Right. So the Locomo are the servants of Hylia. We've come back around into Hylia being the last surviving spirit of good by another means completely. I like that. I think it's pretty good. Crystal, how does this make you feel? I like it. What are the spirits of good? They are the gods of light. They're Hylia. There could be others, but no, we they, know they, a definitive They are specifically Hylia. spirits, plural, and their servants talk about there being more than one of them. They are not all Hylia, <laughs> Monica. We don't know. Chill the fuck out, okay? okay? Hylia is not a plurality. A goddess with many faces. Stop it. I'm not doing this bullshit where we reframe <laughs> everything as being about Hylia anymore. Okay, okay. I reject one of the gods of light. I reject that error. Definitively area. one of the gods of light. Okay. Crystal, how do you feel about her being one of the gods of light? Yeah, I think she is a spirit of good. A Hikari no Kami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cameron, why are you so ready to use Japanese phrasing on this one? Shut up. We <laughs> no, do no, it it's simply rule. used as a guideline. Rule right? of cool, motherfucker. We point out, actually, thematically, there are objects of light entrusted by these spirits of good. Light and good are parallel. Makes sense. Okay, Crystal, do you have any other questions you want to tack on here? No, I think we covered it. Okay. This no. was an enriching conversation in which we have upheaved timelines. That was fun. Crystal, do you want to look at those um, emails about the timeline episodes, or should we go ahead and close out? Let's close out. Okay. Crystal, where can we find you online? 
You can find me at Arcane Crystal on Twitter and our Arcane Crystal on Patreon, where you can listen to this one week early. You can find us on AudioEntropy.com, where there's a link to the Discord in the About section. You can come talk to us there. And you can also find me on Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast on Audio Entropy, uh, where we play Eidolon Become Your Best Self, a game about having a, an external spirit like a JoJo stand or a Persona Persona. I do love uh, JoJo stands and Persona Personas without being married to the politics of Persona. Yes. So really, Eidolon Become Your Best Self is the best of all worlds. Yes. And it makes for a damn good actual play podcast cameron where can we find you oh you you can find me on twitter at cam writer my tweets are becoming more sporadic and more experimental well not experimental but less focused for sure sometimes zelda opinions sometimes you still get some zelda opinions out of me especially when i'm playing new zelda games i guess this is the year i'm actually going to finish the oracle games and the minish cap and then my zelda playthroughs will be mostly complete for the single player games Triforce Heroes. Because somebody finished Triforce Heroes without me. I'm sorry. No, you're not. But you will be. Would you like to hear a Zelda joke? Uh Uh-huh. I'd love it. This comes in from Symbolic Godzilla. What would you call it if the Book of Medora covered JoJo's Bizarre Adventure lore? I don't know. The Book of Medora Ora Ora. (laughs) I don't get it. Well, when when, uh, Jotaro punches motherfuckers with his stands mini punchy ah. fist you go, ora, 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 ora. that's pretty good yeah that's a, that's a good joke I would need an explainer of Jojo before I talk about it but that's cool thank you Symbolic Godzilla that thank was a good you. joke alright well goodbye everybody bye bye kidding we're not done we're not finished yeah it's time to enter the next era of the book of medora what crystal now um listen you uh you you've had this idea that you wanted to play through the final fantasy games that's right and we have a podcast that is supposed to be mostly a lore podcast but sort of turns into like a replay review podcast just by default uh-huh so if you were to play all the Final Fantasy games, maybe we could talk about it on. Yeah, we could do the Book of Matoya. 
The Book of Matoya. Named for the witch in Final Fantasy I, who's a deeply important character. God. <laughs> uh, but starts with M and has a good number of syllables. That's true. That's very true. It, it fits and really well. And she wrote well. a book in Final Fantasy Nine. Yes, there is an actual book of Matoya in Final no, Fantasy really? IX. Yes, it is a spell book, uh, just as the book of Medora is a spell book. Fuck. Well, good. So that lines up. So um, I guess this is the formal announcement that we will be doing a uh, Final Fantasy subseries for the book of Medora. Now, Which games uh, will we Crystal, be playing? That is one of the big questions. And as the person who has more experience, I took the liberty of putting together a potential list. Crystal, before uh, we start talking about this, I think it's worth talking about how much experience each of us has in the Final Fantasy series up to now. I have played three Final Fantasy games to completion. Those games in order are Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, The Crystal Bearers for Nintendo Wii. Wow. Final Fantasy XV. For PlayStation 4. Yeah. And Final Fantasy 13 for Xbox 360. That is such a specific. Oh my goodness. Specific element and specific slice. You are a very modern, outside the box Final Fantasy player. I played the Golden Age of Final Fantasy 2009 to 2020. Many people would call that the Golden (laughs) Age of Final Fantasy because anybody who says the Golden Age of Final Fantasy came before that is old. Um, okay. So, Is it my turn? No, because you've played the most. I'll say which ones I've played. I have played to completion Final Fantasies 1, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 12. You didn't finish 13? I have not finished 13. The entire modern era of Final Fantasy from 2009 onward, a 15-year gap will be completely new to me once we actually get around to playing it. Now, what about the tangential Final Fantasy? We'll talk about that later. Okay. Right now, we're just talking about the single-player sure. mainline games. Okay. I have played to completion 1, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, not 10, 12. Okay. That's it. <laughs> so we all have little... We have larger or smaller gaps in our experiences. Yes. So for me and Monica, this will be, at least for the first section, a replay podcast. But for you, Crystal, this will be entirely wow. new. That's so exciting, That's Crystal. It's so exciting that you get to experience the history, both mechanical and narrative and developmental, of these three games that you enjoy, I assume, for different reasons each. That's right. Now, Crystal, would it be okay if I did a share screen again? Yes. I, I have it open already. Okay. Well, see, the thing is, I have got this lined up so that we can change what's on here. Okay. We can move things. I have taken the liberty of creating a list of Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy adjacent games that we will or will not be playing. Currently under the Yes column... We have the mainline single-player Final Fantasies from 1 to 16. Can we agree that we will, for the purposes of the Book of Matoya, be playing or at least talking about all of those games? Yes. So to be clear, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 15, 16. Okay. Monica, can you agree to this? Yes. Okay. Now, I have also 
got some games listed in the no category, which means we would not be playing these to cover them in the Book of Matoya. And there are two... I think that arguments could be made for including any of these for whatever reason you want, but there are two entries in no that actually I'm just going to go ahead and uh, add a robe below this, and I'm going to change that to blue, and I will name it absolutely not. <laughs> and I think that is completely fair. And, and change no to question mark. <laughs> and absolutely not. I will put Final Fantasy XI online, and Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn. How do we yes, feel I about... Yes, I agree. I don't want to play those. I would like to unearth a marriage pact. We've talked about this on podcast Have before, we? but okay. you, you can explain it again. Reminder of Cameron and Monica's marriage pact. This predates our marriage by about five or six our years. Our relationship pact. Yes. Our relationship pact is no MMOs Ever. Ever. We have agreed in the past that we can set that aside if we ever think that we're in a space where we could handle it healthily. But we prove to each other every couple of years, no, we couldn't. I'm going through Bravely Default 2 right now. And she could not. um, It's bad. It is. You see my Pokemon Home collection. Yes. We have brains that are specifically put against this. Crystal, I feel like certain listeners of the podcast are fans of Final Fantasy XIV. That's true. And they may be disappointed when we say we have no intention to play Final Fantasy XIV, but I hope that they will also acknowledge that's an awful lot of video game. If we have some some people very interested in XIV and want to introduce us to the lore in a guided manner, I think that is a, a, something we can explore. We could pos- discuss, negotiate, maybe. negotiate, not not play, but if somebody explained or or pointed us to a a something that could explain and teach us i'm going to say that right now right now no episodes on these okay right now absolutely fucking not not on our own the thing is there's simply too much video game crystal what's 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 your rationale for not wanting to play these too long they're too fucking long and also mmos are slow with the way they tell stories i'm going to be honest the best cure for the desire to play Final Fantasy XI or Final Fantasy XIV is to watch a video of someone actually playing Final Fantasy XI or Final Fantasy XIV. Not in the big quest, but dur- just doing regular gameplay running around the world. You watch that shit and you go, this is anathema to me. Well, see, that's why I could bear somebody doing a guided explanation. But again, not on our own, not playing the game for ourselves i am agreement are we okay with those two being in the absolutely not category correct yes yes okay now currently under no because i think they either don't fit or i simply have no desire to do this i also have listed final fantasy tactics final fantasy tactics advance final fantasy tactics advance 2 final fantasy 7 crisis core dirge of cerberus final fantasy 7 final fantasy 12 revenant wings and Final Fantasy IV, The After Years. The two of those I would consider playing are Revenant Wings and The After Years. Okay, uh, what are the purposes that you have for considering these two? Those are direct sequels to mainline games. That is true. Um, I think that Dirge of Cerberus might also be a sequel to Final Fantasy VII. What's Crisis Core? Crisis Core is the story of Zack. What have we played amongst the no category? Listen... I'm not big into the idea of getting into the Final Fantasy 
seven expanded canon. <laughs> I want the to compilations treat too much. The Final Fantasy. Yeah. There is only one game from the Final Fantasy compilation that I have listed in the maybe category, and we'll get to it in a minute. But okay, Crystal, for you, I will move Final Fantasy XII: The Revenant Wings and Final Fantasy IV: The After Years into the maybe category, and we and the maybe category is we will decide whether to move to maybe or no. Monica, do, do we otherwise agree with the other five games in the no category being moved down to absolutely not? Yeah. Uh, of yeah, of these, I've played to completion Tactics Advanced. Okay. Do you think that we should play No, it, it doesn't need a discussion. Okay. I feel uh, that Final Fantasy Tactics is more of a Tactics Ogre game than it is a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> Book of... Book of Donica or something. Yeah. But we're not doing that. Do, do, so I'm sorry to anyone who really wants to hear us talk about Final Fantasy Tactics. If we did that, it would be in an Ogre Battle podcast where we talk about Final Fantasy Tactics as a spinoff of Tactics Ogre. Ooh. And that's not this project. So getting into the maybe games, and Crystal, I'd like to hear from your thoughts on each of these, because ultimately this experience is more about you playing than it is about me or Monica playing. But any of the games I put in the maybe category, I'd be perfectly willing to play alongside you. Final Fantasy ten two, thirteen two, and Lightning Returns are, are yes. Okay, can you expand on why? They are direct sequels to mainline Final Fantasy games. I am interested in... The games that Square Enix has decided to consider mainline games. Okay, but not the Final Fantasy VII compilation. No. What's the difference? Seven is its own thing. What's the yeah, what's the difference though? Seven is its own universe. (laughs) And the compilation is not a sequel to seven. I I guess maybe we I would consider watching Advent Children. Oh boy. Since it is a sequel to Final Fantasy VII. Now doing an Advent Children episode, I am actually all about that. I am actually all about that because it's only two hours. Crystal, have you watched it? No. Oh. oh. You should definitely do that after playing Final Fantasy VII. And in fact, after we record for Final Fantasy VII. Now, what about Spirits Within? Now, hold on. We're not going to be doing That's Spirits Within. That's a movie. <laughs> that, Monica, like that movie. don't be silly. That's a movie. That's a movie. <laughs> okay. So if we're doing Final Fantasy X, I'm okay with putting ten two after ten. It's is the completion okay? of the story. It is the game that also came out right after 10. I don't yes. know if it's necessary. We, we can treat it as its own narrative in the same way that we treat Zelda sequels. The games that come first, they're considered on their own, and then the sequels are considered in the context of following up those prior games. Yes. We're not making a fucking timeline document. No, there's and, no timeline. And as the Fabula Nova Crystallis project goes, it makes sense to me to put uh, 13 to... And Lightning Returns on here after Final Fantasy thirteen. That makes sense to me, yes. I have heard good things about both of these games that makes me willing to play them. Especially if you're going to be playing them, Crystal, so that we can have this experience at roughly the same time. I love. I, w- I would enjoy sharing that with you. Yes. Now, Final Fantasy twelve, The Revenant Wings, I'm not as big on because I really like Final Fantasy twelve as its own standalone narrative that has a distinct ending. But if you really want to, I'm willing to do that. I'm interested in it. Okay. Where would you like me to put Final Fantasy XII, The Revenant Wings, on the playing timeline? After Final Fantasy XII, which I believe is also the release order. God help me. Okay. Now, Final Fantasy IV, The After Years, is a game that everybody hates. 
It is, and that's a big reason I didn't want to play it. <laughs> but it's interesting, I, isn't it? It's it's Final Fantasy IV too. Final Fantasy IV, one of the most beloved games in the series for good reason. Final Fantasy IV two, one of the least necessary sequels of all time, came out like fifteen years later. How long and, is it? I don't know. Let's look on how long to beat. I guess. It's about 35 and a half hours in length. Okay. And Do you sucks? want to put that on there? It is supposed to suck ass. It has an <laughs> average rating on howlongtobeat.com of 63%. So this is the other M of the series. It seems to be the other M of the series, yes. A direct sequel to a beloved game that is not very well received. This is Children of Dune. This is Children of... Wait, hold on. People like Children of Dune. This is Dune Messiah. People like Dune Messiah. <laughs> it should have stopped with Dune. <laughs> But what if I like it? Yeah, that's fair. That is completely fair, Crystal. And this is ultimately your project. Do you want it to be right after Final Fantasy fourteen, or do you want to put it where it was released, which I think would put it between X2 and 12? I think it should go after 4. Okay. So between 4 and 5. Yes. God help us all. I will agree to this for you, Crystal, because I love you. Thank um, you. <laughs> Now, that leaves us with four other games in the maybe category. and I have some other ones. Are you fucking for real? What? You should have brought this up when you saw me making this. No. Okay, look, we'll get to it after we categorize <coughs> yes, these sure. four, okay? So the first maybe game I'd like to address is Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, which is the Team Ninja-created action RPG Set in what might be a parallel world for Final Fantasy 1. Chaos. Now, I... This is not a mainline Final Fantasy game, but I am interested in playing it. Okay. Absolutely. It is an interesting game with some interesting concepts. <laughs> and I think you should go after Final Fantasy 15. Okay. Between Final Fantasies 15 and 16, because that's when it came out. Yes. It acts as a way to look back at the series up to that point by hearkening back to the first one so i we will agree to play this so here's another game that we're looking at which is final fantasy 7 remake and we can assume that final fantasy 7 rebirth is on this list too now this is interesting because from a production standpoint it essentially is a mainline final fantasy game Absolutely. It is being treated as the like Final Fantasy 16 is almost a guy den compared to the way that Final Fantasy 7 remake rebirth and revolution or whatever the hell are being framed. And is it the, is in some ways in design a sequel to Final Fantasy 13. It may be more than just in some ways once we actually play it. But yeah, it's basically a wait 13. Yeah, 13. That's interesting. Speak on that because of the linear chapter based structure. That's very true. So would you like to play this game, Crystal? I think so, and I think it should go after Final Fantasy fifteen. After fifteen and before Stranger of Paradise or after? Before Stranger of Paradise. Okay. We'll put that there. Now, these next two games are not, are not Final Fantasy games. <laughs> they aren't Final Fantasy games, but also yes they are. They are in the, terms of go ahead. You've you've picked the second and fourth in the series here. Um, nope, that, well, wait, what's the first? Final Fantasy, The Four Heroes of Light. Okay, it's true that I didn't include The Four Heroes of Light, but I haven't played that one, so I didn't think to include it. What about Mystic Quest? I did play through that one. I have no desire to play through Mystic <laughs> There's Quest. There's nothing of note to Mystic Quest. Crystal, do you want to play Mystic Quest? No. 
Okay, Monica, go through the rest of your list if they're more closely related than the two Bravely Default games I've written down. Theatrhythm. Do we want to play Theatrhythm? No. That's a spinoff. That is a spinoff game. I'm interested in mainline Final Fantasy. (laughs) Crystal Chronicles. No. Crystal Chronicles, that Wii game that you played already. No. No, the... The no, no, no. I'm suggesting oh. as, a, as the next thing. Okay. The Crystal no. Bearers. No? Okay. Were those the games that you had listed? Yeah. Monica also suggested. What about Mystic? She, she kind of went over okay. it. Was Dissidia. No. Because Dissidia is kind of the Hyrule Warriors of Final Fantasy. That's true. <clears throat> I would like to posit that Bravely Default is the story of seasons of Final Fantasy. Crystal... Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, I understand what you mean by that. It is the story of seasons to Final Fantasy's Harvest Moon. Yes. Can can you ex- expand for listeners who do not understand? Okay. Might not understand. So there is a Japanese series whose ja- whose Japanese name I can't recall off the top of my head, but translated literally, it's something like Story of Seasons, and it was localized in English back in the Super Nintendo era as Harvest Moon, and. For a while, the Story of Seasons games were just localized as Harvest Moon. But recently, the localization company behind Harvest Moon that has the rights to it split off and used the name Harvest Moon for a derivative series of farming sims that aren't as good as the ones being produced in Japan, which are now called Story of Seasons in localization. The derivative company is still using Harvest Moon. Yes, so what is actually... Star- uh, Story of Seasons is the true Harvest Moon, carrying on the spirit of the old Harvest Moon games. And what Monica is saying is that Bravely Default, and I would say this also, is carrying on the spirit of old school Final Fantasy for traditionalists who just want, God damn it, a sequel to Final Fantasy V. And when you play these, they are explicitly Final Fantasy games. There are the same four elemental crystals. There is a job system in both of these games. There are, are heroes of light. There are hero. They are literally called the heroes of light. It, they are just old school Final Fantasy games made with semi-modern new coats of paint. And they happen to be really good classic Final Fantasy games. Now, Crystal, they are not Final Fantasy games. So I understand if you don't want to play them. I just wanted to put them on here because they're excellent i believe you it's okay if you want to put them in no (laughs) i'm putting them in no okay Okay. so they will go maybe i can convince you to play them one day when we're finished with all this final fantasy bullshit yeah and not for the podcast not very likely i know they're part of the three five design lineage they are yes well really the one five design lineage I like to argue that 1-5 is its own specific design lineage, but Monica argues that it continues until 6 and breaks off into 7. That's going to be an interesting conversation to have in the 6 episode. I argue that it's all the way up to 12 and then bravely defaults. You are out of your fucking mind. You (laughs) are absolutely... The 2 is the first Saga game, basically. uh, Final Fantasy Saga was based on Final Fantasy 2, wasn't it? Or, hold on. Saga. They have the same director, right? And similar design philosophy? I think so, but I'm not sure. But we're treating Saga as a spin-off series here. So does does this um does this lineup of games look okay to you, Crystal? Yeah. Okay. So you're saying that for the Book of Matoya, why don't you read off the list of games? And do you think that any of these orders should be changed? No, I think the order is correct. Okay, so for our listeners, please read off the games that will be covered on the Book of Matoya. 
Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 2, Final Fantasy 3, Final Fantasy 4, Final Fantasy 4, The After Years, Final Fantasy 5, Final Fantasy 6, Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 8, Final Fantasy 9, Final Fantasy 10, Final Fantasy 10 2, Final Fantasy 12, Final Fantasy 12 Revenant Wings, Final Fantasy 13, Final Fantasy 13 2, Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy 13, Final Fantasy 15, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, and Final Fantasy 16. And if it's very likely that we'll end up playing Final Fantasy Rebirth. Uh, would you want to do that after 16 or after 7 Remake? After 16. Okay. Also, isn't there an anime that's a sequel to one of the games? Maybe Final Fantasy V? Yeah, I think that there's like a really bad booby anime that we could watch if you wanted. We could do the well, really bad... Well, if it's the sequel to Final Fantasy V, I want to watch it. Just like we would put Advent Children after 7. Yes. Okay. So those aren't on that list, but we will have episodes for whatever Final Fantasy anime Crystal is talking about. We'll do some research on that. And for Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Do we want to do King's Glaive, then, if we're doing official oh movie tie-ins? Mm, no. Because if we're doing 15, I would want to talk about the DLC, too. We can talk about the DLC. I don't know about King's Glaive. How about we do King's Glaive after Final Fantasy seventeen or 15 proper? We could do that. Okay, I'm not, we won't. We will go into it and experience the game as she is designed, and then we will watch the prequel movie after the game. Yeah. Cameron, did you watch it already? No, I didn't. I thought about doing it a while ago, but I had an inkling that somehow this would happen. This was years ago. Huh. Crystal has been talking about a desire to t- play all the Final Fantasy games every once in a great while for at least one or two years. And that this is the result of that. So that puts us at uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, uh, 24 oh potential episodes. I do not expect that this will be as long as the Book of Medora. I expect <laughs> we're not going to do full plot recaps for these games, but I would like to talk about the ideas behind some of their narratives. I, this, like, I'm going to be upfront in that I cannot play through each one of these. Monica's RPG playthrough style cannot support this. She would be stuck playing nothing but these games for five years straight. Five is an optimistic number. Is that except I'll be playing them, Crystal. I'll be reading and watching and collating some information and drawing on my memory. Is that cool, Crystal? Yes. Okay. So that is the basis of the Book of Matoya. Given the lengths of these games, I think that... We can record episodes about, like, if we have multiple episodes about Final Fantasy 1, we can record those sequentially week by week. But I would like to suggest a one-week rest period between each game to allow us to make progress in the games, if not beat them. That makes sense to me. Okay. Is that a good schedule? Yeah. I'm excited. Crystal, for the games where you can name the characters, are you going to use some sort of a default name, or are you going to pull names any particular other namings? I guess I'll ask if anyone wants to be named. Hell yeah. yeah! It's very fun to name characters. Yeah. Now, that does bring up one other thing, and this is only relevant for 
uh, Final Fantasies 1 through 6, because the others, there's only one version to play. But all the other games have multiple versions that you can play. I've given this a lot of thought and not come to a conclusion. Okay, so I'm sure that a lot of the listeners to the podcast will have very strong opinions on this. Um, but oh. I would like to suggest... Go ahead, Mom. Oh, and 12. You have to decide Zodiac Age or not. I'll be playing Zodiac Age. Now, there's no reason not okay. to play Zodiac Age. I like the original. I know. You like to get more overpowered, but Zodiac Age lets you get more overpowered. Monica just likes to max out the entire licensing board every single time, which is part of why she's not going to be replaying all of these <laughs> games. Because she can't play these games without fulfilling every single part of every single system. I will be playing the story, and if a side quest seems interesting, I'll check it out. And if it gets boring, I will drop it. Hell yeah. You are the most coolest. Um, that is that is that is great. Now I would like to suggest that there is only a there is an easy way to play the first six games that I think works perfectly fine for all of them, and that is the Pixel Remasters. And yes. What recommends the Pixel Remasters is that they, especially the um, console versions, though the PC versions have been updated for this, they let you switch between two versions of the soundtrack, both of which sound either original sound or really nice re, uh, re, not quite re-orchestration. You get what I'm saying. Remaster versions. And they also have the ability to adjust how much experience you get how many uh, random encounters you have. So if you want to, if you ever get to a point where you, like say you play through the game normally, if you ever need to grind, you can increase your experience, money, and job points or whatever gained up to four times. So grinding can be done in a quarter of the time, which is very nice for playing through Final Fantasy V, which I've already done. So it it's just easily accessible and easy to play through. It's a little bit adjustable. There are some differences. The only games that I think there's real discussions about which versions you should play are Final Fantasy 1, Final Fantasy 2, and Final Fantasy 4. Okay. Now, what what are my options? Okay. So for Final Fantasy 1, that's probably the one with the most viable options that I think would normally be argued. There's the Pixel Remaster version, which is a lot like the uh, other pixel remasters. It's very streamlined compared to the older version of the game. But when I played it back in 2009, I played the NES version. And I think that that is a relatively playable game. It has, it's a, it has a little bit of a grind to it, but it has a lot of character and it is very beatable. The so other the, one... The released NES version, not a patched version. Yes, the released NES version, not a patch version. That's if you want the original experience to see what the game was really like back in 1987. And I think that's a perfectly good reason to play the old version if that's what you want. To be okay. clear, I'm going to be playing the Pixel Remaster version of this game. But you can play the NES version to get an idea of what that design was like. You can also play the GBA version, the Dawn of Souls version, which is rebalanced. And which I'm including here, one, because it plays a lot like the Pixel Remaster version, but two, because it's packaged with the Dawn of Souls version of Final Fantasy II. Final Fantasy II has two versions you can play, Pixel Remaster and the Dawn of Souls version. The Dawn of Souls version is noteworthy because it includes an extra campaign, and I think that the extra content 
in Dawn of Souls is the only extra content really worth talking about. So, so you would not recommend playing the Famicom version? I don't see any strong reason to. It is notoriously glitchy. Its um, script has been expanded on in meaningful ways in every future version of the game. And it is reportedly a much more pleasant and satisfying experience both on the GBA and in the P- Pixel Remaster version. I might play this to round out my numbers. Yes, I, c- I could understand that you want to fill in the holes. Of I better start like after. Bravely Default, yeah. yeah. Crystal, how do you feel about this? There's extra content um, or the original content presented in a much more um, palatable package. I'm kind of interested in playing the original graphics. That is completely fair. I think the pixel remaster is a good way for everything to be unified, and I will not get obsessed over uh, the proper translations. Okay. Because it's the one that they decided is the good one. That's completely fair. Now, the last version is Final Fantasy IV, and there are certain listeners who will go, oh boy, he's going to talk about the extra dungeons in the Final Fantasy IV Advance game. Um, I'm sorry to all of those listeners. Those dungeons and the story associated with them suck ass. Except, except for, for the Kane one. Except for the Kane one, which is dope. You should... I'll tell you that story <laughs> when we talk about Final Fantasy yeah. IV, Crystal. You do not need to play the GBA version of Final Fantasy IV. Okay. The two versions under consideration here are the Pixel Remaster version. A lot of people will say the Super Nintendo version, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. Pixel Remaster will serve you just as good, and it gives you better options for grinding. And... The 3D remake, originally on the DS, but also released on Steam. And PSP. Uh, That's a 2D version, which I guess a lot of people would also argue for because it has better graphics. And it also has the GBA extra content, I think. It might not. In either case, that's not the one that I would suggest. Either Pixel Remaster or the 3D version. The 3D version, I'm recommending one because it has interesting... um, extra bits to the combat system two it's nicely challenging but three it has voice acting in the cutscenes, and the cutscenes are in 3d and it's really fun and i like the script a lot it reminds me of final fantasy 12 it has good voice acting. it actually has good voice acting. very low in in there very low in in there it's kind of fucked up i don't like the ds graphics that is completely <laughs> fair and then it sounds like the pixel remaster is probably the one for you Six? do the PS1 games have retranslations in the new version? They do have tightened up scripts, yes. The thing about the... Uh, oh, PS1 games? Yes. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the NES games or the Famicom games. To the best of my knowledge, most of them do not have updated translations. Though there may be some tweaks to the scripts that I'm not aware of. You would dismiss 6 on the advanced. Yes, of course I would. Yeah. It doesn't add anything... Of note, and the soundtrack sounds worse. The soundtrack worse. is affected. Yes. Um, I, I don't think that there's any reason to search for any particular version of the PS1 era Final Fantasies, but I'm willing to explore the possibility of applying some retranslation patch to a Steam version of 7, 8, or 9. I will probably be playing a PS1 ROM. Uh, Final Fantasy 7? Yes. Okay. When you play Final Fantasy VIII, you should do it with the pocket chocobo. Absolutely fucking not. Do not pull them down this hole with you. Pocket chocobo. The pocket chocobo is a 
deeply tedious item that allows you to fully max out everyone's stats to 999 and everything. It's so great. This takes 8 million leave hours. It, leave it running. It seems unnecessary. It is <laughs> deeply unnecessary. I beat all the super bosses without that shit. All. Oh. But you're thinking you'll be playing a PS1 ROM of each of these games? Yes. Okay. I will say that the new releases of each of these games are noteworthy because they give you the option to um, max out or to change the rate at which you gain experience. But if you're going to be a purist about the PS1 titles, then going with just the PS1 version makes sense. I'll probably be playing My main them on motivation the is that for PS1 games with 3D on 2D, I don't like the way they look in it. Okay, that yeah. is completely fair. But is the Final Fantasy VII script that bad? I wouldn't say that it's bad, but it's very much a product of the era of it. They do drop the R bomb in it at least once, and it I is see. a it is a bit messy. Also, there's the problem with the localization of Barrett being a deeply racist Mr. T derived stereotype, but people yes. don't like to talk about that part as much. It's hard it's hard to evaluate a fan translation of a game I haven't played. Yes, it I really actually have is. played like a third of Final Fantasy VII. You have. I, I remember you talking about it. But maybe we can do some research on that. We won't be getting to it for a few months. Yes. To me, looking at this, I am. I gotta start too, like ASAP, <laughs> to and, make it in time. And then after that, you can play ten at your yeah, own. Yeah, ten. I'm kind of excited to. Is this going to be the year or years I will play ten? Could be. Could be. <laughs> 13? <laughs> we can go through that together. Hmm. If I'm the one at the helm, mm -hmm. then we can get through it at a reasonable pace. It's not a super long game. Okay. 13-2, Lightning Returns, 15. It's all the same thing. I will be at the helm for each of these. We'll see how it goes. So okay. what, is, what is the structure of this podcast? The structure of this podcast, I think we can feel it out a little bit. But I think it will be one part review just talking about our experiences playing the games. One part, maybe thematic deconstruction. Talking about how the series changes over time. Talking about the stories and the ideas that they're trying to communicate. Yeah, I'm interested in the evolution of symbols in the series. Hell Me yes. too. I'm all about this. I think that in time for the first discussion, we'll note down some common, or some themes that we expect will continue. Whether or not they do. But, you know, talking about jobs or classes or talking about crystals talking about crystals talking about warriors of light talking about uh bahamut yeah espers es gfs espers the Agons, summons the summons so we'll be talking about icon iconography we'll be talking about themes we'll be talking about how the games change over time i'll also undoubtedly be talking about whether or not we like the characters in a given game art direction because as the series goes on, individual characters get a lot more important. That sea change really hits the hardest in 4, but I think it started in 2, actually. My perception of the design lineage is you have Final Fantasy. Yeah. Then you have Final Fantasy 2, which spins off into Saga. That does happen. Then you have Final Fantasy 3, which goes to Final Fantasy 5, which goes to Bravely Default. <laughs> that does happen. Then you have Final Fantasy IV, which goes to Final Fantasy VI. Those are more um, story-driven, quote-unquote, yeah. cinematic games. True. 
then you have 789, then you have 10 kind of its own thing, 12 kind of its own thing, 13, and then 13 goes into 15 and 7 remake. I'm curious about whether or not 13 actually leads into 15, because I've played enough 13 to have some mechanical familiarity with it, and I'm curious to see if that holds through for me. They're not... Well, mainly what I mean by that is aesthetically, actually. Oh, Because 13 kind of locks in the look of Final Fantasy. Mm. Well, 15 is definitely part of the Fabula Nova Crystallis project. Yes. Okay, yeah, I could definitely see that. It is... The Fabula Nova Crystallis project is kind of a parallel Final Fantasy VII compendium. Yes, kind of. But, but like, better, you look at Chris. Final Fantasy thirteen characters, and you look at Final Fantasy sixteen characters, they have different styles, but the the rendering is kind of similar. The the Square Enix house style is crystallized, so to speak. Which was not Final true of PS1 or PS2. Right. But in, it, the house style of Square was established in thirteen, and it has remained that way for almost 15 years now. Yes. Okay, I think that's... uh, This is all very reasonable. I wonder if 4 being more plot-focused might be a continuation of 2, but that's also something we'll talk about when we actually get the episode done. Yes. Okay, so we've got a pretty good idea of what we want to do then. Yeah. And the first order of business will be to play, replay, or re-examine Final Fantasy 1, and we'll meet back in two weeks. Okay. Okay, we all good? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, listeners, Monica, Crystal, welcome to the Book of Matoya, and I'm looking forward to doing this with y'all. Wahoo! Wahoo! Yay. Bye, everybody. Oh, wahoo! Wahoo! Lolly ho! Oh, lolly ho, yes. Crystal, you'll get that later. Spoonie bar. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.